0: Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. We use it and here's how it works.
1: Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating
2: today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard.
0: You nailed that line, Kratty. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, AJ, what else? With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in
1: a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's
2: totally free with no catch.
0: That's true. And ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we've been connecting with fans more with polls and instant feedback. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey. Let's have a Thursday on FT Live. A.J. Krasinski, <laughs> Todd Frazier, Eric Kratz. I mean, we already are looking good on the sets here, but who's joining us on the show? So first of all,
1: subscribe. Can- nice. Uh, podcast apple spotify twitch
0: i love how it's free i love how aj's a company every day no that's your job oh it's my job i have i have a rundown right here and it says aj colon subscribe rating review that's your job you (laughs) do it better than i do
1: perfect well subscribe people please because uh it's a good show (laughs) <laughs> Great show actually. Uh we have Max Scherzer, we have Raul Bañez. I mean we're New York heavy today. We have Super Yeah, but Raul Abanez
0: is for the league. That's yeah. on league rules. Yeah, basically that's that's New York? The league's yeah. in New York? Sure. Yeah. And then I'm just saying we're not a New York only show. We're not just like Yankee Met lovers or something. We we treat everyone pretty equally.
1: Yes, and then uh Aaron Boone last guest. So it's a busy day. Try to get all these guys in in under 2 hours cuz uh, some of us have lives that we other than the show, Scott.
0: Uh, why are you looking at me? I have other jobs too. Okay. I just, I don't coach uh high school baseball, but I see Todd Fraser raising his hand. Yeah. Get a word in time. I know what you want
3: to say. You said Yankee Met lovers. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a Yankee Met lover, man. I love them both. You know, that's good for baseball. It's good for me. It's good for my area. It's good for everything. So just like the world baseball classic, baby, if New York's doing good, everybody's doing good.
1: Dude, Frazier, why would you move your camera? You used to have the White Sox like right over your shoulder. And now it's, no, oh, look at me. I played for the Yankees. What happened to the White Sox?
3: Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I got moved into a different, I, I try moving spots, you know, a little bit here and there. And uh, today we're going with the New York because we got a New York contingency going on here today. So let's get it. No we home did. run derby trophy either. No, that that's still here.
0: I move that in a little bit. Yeah, Kratzy, that's not moving. Get out of here. Hey, that's know, right there. Don't Kratzy, you worry, Kratzy,
1: Kratzy, I also have a home run derby champion. Look, I don't know if you can see this on the thing. It's not quite as cool as Todd's, but mine's the Cooperstown Hall of Fame Home Run Derby game. There it is. Look. Was that televised? No, but you know, <laughs> but Frazier's is way cooler. But I, just, I don't want Frazier, you know, because he he was the big winner last night. That's what Puerto I. Rico. That's what I wanted that's to what get I've been to. On. Let's go, Frazier. Bring it.
3: Hey. Puerto Rico, whoa, Puerto Rico. Hey, I told you guys, man, people talking about, it, man, is my second home, Eric Kratz. That has nothing to do with baseball. I mean, that's just weird. And at the end of the, they the day, they were lively. They had a big inning. You know, Johnny Cueto, man, my dog, gave up a couple runs. But at the end of the day, these boys came to play. It was electric. I was telling everybody, every kid I worked with, I said, listen, you want to watch what baseball is all about, go Put your TV on when Puerto Rico plays DR,
2: and it was uh, nothing short of amazing. Are we surprised? Are we surprised? Like Puerto Rico, another semifinals, or I guess no. not semifinals, but like there, like we shouldn't have bet against them. We should. We should always bet against Todd. Like I am totally fine betting against Todd almost every time in life. But he was, <laughs> see, listen, I mean, my guys, my guys got coughs. He's got, Sorry. yeah, that the, the home run derby trophy is not going to help that sickness. But like <laughs> Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, I mean, are they, are they underrated? Like
3: very, very underrated They're They're one of the teams to beat right now, man. After what happened, I know we'll get into it with Edwin Diaz. He's their closer.
0: No, we need to go into it right now. That's okay, what we need we'll to go do because, it. because in 10 minutes we start like a rapid fire guest list that's that's great and we'll ask all our guests about it, but Frege, are they the team to beat has a new layer to it because not and we can let's cover Edwin Diaz and what happened, but also how a team either rallies around something like that or also just is is devastated. I mean, you have guys in tears In the clubhouse after some of the biggest wins of their life because of Edwin in in case you were completely snoozing or you go to sleep too early like AJ Edwin gets hurt celebrating on the field afterward his right knee and it sounds like there's still testing going on we might get an update live during the show and we'll let you know that was the uh, tweet if you're watching right now live from the Mets undergoing imaging uh, tomorrow which means today now and there'll be an update when appropriate Mets fans are devastated team Puerto Rico is devastated. Frege, it's not like he celebrated a crazy amount. He wasn't wildly jumping up and down, so it's a freak injury. Yeah, very freaky. I, I think they're
3: the team to beat yes and no. Well, I say yes because they just came off a high beating a really, really good team. But no, um, I think Japan, you know, especially after what they did today uh, with their dominating performance, they're, they're the team to beat. They got the pitching, they got the hitting. It just looks like business as usual for the Japanese and – um with Shohei Otani and you, Darvish, you know, bringing up the, the realm, bringing everything up there. Um, it's going to be exciting, though, man. What, hey, you lose, you go home, you win, you move on, baby. Anyway, so, well,
1: we'll see. So, well, before we get dig deeper into that Edwin Diaz thing, wait, are they the team to beat or are they not? Is Japan that because you said, oh, D, you know, Puerto Rico is the team to beat. And then you're like, but wait, maybe Japan is the team to beat. So, is it Japan? Is it Puerto Rico? Is it Venezuela? Is it US? I mean, who is it, Todd? I would, I would have
3: said Puerto part. Rico, but after last night, the whole thing with Edwin, I'm like, I, that's why I said yes and no because of the injury. But now, okay, I'll just stick with Japan because that I've always said Japan from the beginning. And, you know, USA, I, I love them to death, but I, I need those dominating wins. I wanted that yesterday. They won. I get it. I get zero. It's a great win, but, you know, they're not dominating like they should. So we'll see how they step up when they play this Venezuela team and who's coming off what four and now so this is exciting but I don't care I don't care about anything else this is exciting for baseball but Japan is definitely the team to beat
1: Kratz Kratz uh did you get the flip flop in there with frage USA Puerto Rico
3: Japan Mets, Mets, Mets Yankees
2: Live
4: White
3: Sox Great I just want to you guys are just uh, mad the team that's all good I don't want to make everybody right happy
2: yeah, make, make them happy. But don't forget, like, look, do do you think do you think, Todd, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think that when Team USA won it last time, they were dominant? Like were they were they the team that should have won it? I mean obviously 2020 hindsight, we know now, but do you think they were a team that should have won it? Yes or no? Yes, I do. They law, they beat they beat Columbia three two on a walk-off to get there last time. Well, when when was it? that? Was late though, wasn't it? What do you mean?
3: Late in the tournament,
2: no. Yeah, I mean it was the game before. It was a semifinal. Win go home. <laughs> I don't
3: care. I don't care how you win when it's when it's one game left. I care how you do in the pool play. Like you got to build off what you're doing, and that's what Puerto Rico is doing
0: wait 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 so i'm gonna bring a little insight here into how this whole machine operates we have a ticker which is just beautifully operated on a daily basis as you can see it's awesome it's getting funnier by the day and within uh it's slack messaging going on in the ticker and we have jamie helping out with the ticker today he goes what do you think about this one to throw on there todd hedges his bet by predicting everyone to win <laughs> WBC.
2: <laughs> Jamie, absolute fire. <laughs>
4: Hell Jamie, yeah. Jamie,
3: Hell we're, yeah. We're going to talk soon, buddy. Don't you
2: worry. Our social guy, Connor, goes,
0: Todd Frazier, quote, everyone will win the WBC. Jamie,
3: yeah, a lot of words this morning, too, in the meetings. Appreciate it.
0: Uh, <laughs> Wait, okay, uh, we're going to be so, Raul Obani is going to call in five minutes. We got to get to Edwin Diaz. I though. need. We need yeah. to spend five minutes on Edwin Diaz on the series. Yeah. No. Horrible. he's an incredible human being. Horrible. He is a star in this game. Mets fans adore him. Just signed a huge deal. His brother's playing with him on WBC roster. You know, they're playing together for the first time. He's one of the guys taking everyone out to dinner. Um, on so many levels, this sucks. And I know where social media goes. Screw the WBC. Mm-hmm. He got hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so did Gavin Lux. Should we not play spring training games? Should we not have players warm up, practice Should we put them in bubble wrap? Like it didn't look like anything freak to me. Nothing changes anything for me. No, It
1: sucks. And I don't want it to affect the WBC because this has been such a positive for baseball, right? The whole atmosphere, the games, the players being all fired up. So listen, it is incredible. It's just sucks. There's no other word to describe it. Just horrible, terrible, whatever you want to use. And if you're a Mets fan, I mean, I'm, I'm devastated. I barely know Edwin Diaz, but we've done an interview with him and he was awesome. And you don't want to see this. So, it just is hopefully he gets good news and it's not as bad as everyone says but when you see the wheelchair and you see the guys crying you see him on the ground immediately with his pant leg up and pointing to his leg it just it was just such a bad scene after such a great game and and you feel for Edwin you feel for the Mets you you feel for everybody involved but gosh you know get better and and it should not ruin the WBC
3: because what a great tournament it's been. Listen um, the guy's a stud he's a awesome human being you see the realness of it of his brother basically crying on the field like it did take away from the win for sure they're in the locker room they're happy but at the same time they know the severity of it they want him to play major league baseball a lot longer than what's going on right now so you know we'd be speculating right now what the injury is it didn't look good but the guy sugar diaz he is the all-time best he's one of my favorite guys um i'm hoping for the best because this mets team they need him man it's uh it seems like the Mets—they get these injuries, these weird injury bugs, man. it, it just it just bad timing.
1: Mets gonna met. Didn't we talk about that yesterday? Was it yesterday we talked about the Mets gonna met? Like yeah. it's just unbelievable how things like this happen.
2: I—I I, I think. I think he's more yes. He, he's an incredible player, but nobody's talked about like what he does on the mound. The, you know, AJ, what you said about him. Ty, what you said about him it's what kind of person he is and i think those are the those are the kinds of guys in major roles like a catcher i mean like a closer that you can affect you can affect how the bullpen feels you can affect how your team feels like look we only have to play 8 innings because we got sugar down there and he's going to come in with the trumpets and close it out so to me i think for the for the mets we're not even talking about for puerto rico right now for the mets like if I'm a leader in that clubhouse, maybe not a pitcher or a position player, whether it's Lindor, whether, you know, I'm not sure exactly who those guys are, I'm trying to help this guy feel like he's still part of the team because of how much of a part of the team he was, however long this injury is. I'm trying to help this guy say, hey, I want you to still be around. I want you to do, see if the team will let you do your rehab here. See if the team. know, so that you can be a guy, because he's more than just a closer. We saw in his interviews, and we see how, Todd, you're talking about him, like this guy is, you know, he's a dude in there that is a constant reminder, like, look, hey, you guys got to keep going. I'm coming back. You guys keep it up. And, you know, I think that can be a rallying cry for the Mets. Yes, it's going to be tough to pick up 40-plus saves out of that bullpen, especially when you're talking about a team that wants to win 95 games.
0: And they're in the NLEs too. How does that work, Kratzy? When players are hurt, how many of them get to stick around with the team? Is that a decision that's made with the team and the player? Like, for example, if he's going to miss significant time and we don't know anything yet, but it certainly didn't look good, how do you figure that out? Because I agree. I mean, I think that would be awesome. He lights up a room. And and he's so gracious and would be very helpful to be around the team, I would figure. There's probably some guys you played with that you're like, eh,
2: you you can go rehab in Florida. We'll see you in a few months. There's definitely not a individual, like it's all individual. There's not like, well, this is our team rule, because the guys, the the organizations that say, all right, this is the team rule, you miss out on an opportunity like this to have a guy around. Two thousand eleven, Adam Wainwright. Like the guy was you talk to anybody and maybe we even ask Adam about it you know later on when he comes on again but that guy didn't pitch a single pitch for the Cardinals in 2011 and i've heard stories from guys that played on that team that he was around so much he would come in early do his rehab and then he was around and he had an opportunity to mentor some guys and that that is yes obviously if you get a guy to come out you know be a Cy Young, win a Cy Young, go thirty and zero in a season—that affects your team. But what the long-lasting effects of the culture in your clubhouse? It is—it's unbelievable, and I think you need to be able to keep a guy around if that's the case, and the organization has to talk about it. Hey, and we have
0: New York-centric guests. And national guests today. So let's make sure that we cover this topic with everyone we bring on to. So let's start with Raul Abana, Senior Vice President of On Field Operations, joining us right now, looking like joining us from some sunshine. Raul, first off, hello. Where are you? It looks like a great day out there. How
5: are you guys doing? I'm in Miami, Florida. Good to see you guys. I'm really happy to be here. Nice. What's he got in the Starbucks? Is that like a Frappuccino? What is that? Good call, AJ. It looks better than it is. It's just a cold brew with whipped cream on top so it looks better how do you keep your body like that if you have the whip
1: you know like scott can't have anything so like no whip it's always no whip no dairy no anything a
5: a little a little bit of whip a little bit of whip in the morning aj that's pretty much it (laughs) if i I stuff cookies down my throat it's over (laughs) (laughs) i like it you're not
2: you're not you're not stuffing not you're not stuffing any whipped cream down your throat that's probably that is probably some kind of like oat milk whip that you got on there Don't, don't sneak us
5: it's not but thank you for thinking i'm that disciplined. i'm not
0: you
2: are you are
0: hey raul first off just we were talking about it it's big news especially in new york but everywhere and you're down in miami edwin diaz news is is devastating terrible what was your reaction when you saw that and do you agree with us i mean it's not like anything crazy happened it's just a straight up fluke injury just a
5: straight-up fluke injury. I mean, it, it's devastating, obviously, um, for the New York Mets, for the Puerto Rican WBC team, but also for the game of baseball. I mean, when he comes out of that bullpen, all of us, everybody on this call and everybody in that ballpark is so excited. I've heard that song so many times. It's one of the greatest walkout songs in history. And um, he's just a, a poor – I mean, he's been untouchable and unhittable and, and uh, just devastating news for – for not just for the Mets, not just for the WBC, for the Puerto Rican WBC team, but also for the game of baseball. And I hope, he, I wish him a speedy recovery.
1: Raul, you got you got some gray in the beard now. you not, you know, when you, you, know, is that so? Is that because of the rule changes that you guys <laughs> stuck stuck in at MLB, and you're a part of that? Can we have Max Scherzer on later, who gives the player side of it? What what, what is your side of it? You know, because as a former player, and you're a former player. You know, I look at you and I say, man, Raul Banez was a really nice guy as a player but now is he a trader on the, on the other side, you know? So I want to hear the, the commissioner side of it, your side of it and explain why these rules were necessary and, and what, what, what made them.
5: Yeah. AJ. I mean, essentially, you know, we, we've done, <clears throat> they've been doing polling and asking fans for input and, you know, what are the things that they like the most about baseball and we're trying to get to the best version of baseball. And so what are the things they like the most is action balls and play um, pace of play, extra base hits, stolen bases. And one of the things they like the least, it's a lack of action, you know, uh, pitching changes, mound visits, and and time in between pitches. And so this was, you know, um, pretty much a long time coming uh, for the game of baseball and, and, you know, trying to pick up the pace of play. But it's really a response to what um, all of our great fans have been asking for, clamoring for, really.
3: Hey, Raul, Todd Frazier. Um, Todd? First off, um the rules are great. I love everything that everybody's implementing, but is there something that might change? I know there's, you know, everybody's open to doing changes and seeing what happens in spring training. Say we talked about it before a guy dives in the outfield, makes the last out and he doesn't get, get in time to get to the batter's box, like simple things like that. Are you guys going to try and implement that or change it during the season or right now, like little rules that are going on?
5: Yeah. So we're still in, and you know, obviously we tested these rules, um, <clears throat> excuse me, very diligently in the minor leagues, over 8,000 games and got to this point where this was the best version of the rules. Uh, at the same time, you know, we're still in the data collection, you know, gathering information um, and, and, you know, in constant dialogue with players and as well as the PA. So, you know, from a player perspective, you guys know, we all, we all played this game. We want what's best for the game of baseball. But uh, at the same time, you know, we want to do it uh, collaboratively with the players.
1: Have you gotten feedback from the players from your side? Have you gotten, have they come to you and said, Hey, we like this. We don't like this. Uh, Like, like Todd said, you know, guys diving missing the first pitch. Like, and then will there be any leeway later in games from umpires? uh, you'll, You'll see Scherzer talk about it. Like later in the game, like when bigger situations guys need to breathe and do their routine, will there be any leeway from umpires?
5: So as of right now, the, these are the rules that we're rolling out and we wanted strict enforcement from day one so that players could adapt and get accustomed to it early on. It gives them, you know, we noticed AJ was in the minor leagues. It took about six weeks where you got down to less than one violation per game. I think it's like 0.5 violations per game. Um, And so, but at the same time, yeah, we're we're collecting information, feedback from players, um, you know, including them in the process. Obviously they are the guys on the field uh, that make the magic happen. And so uh, we're in constant dialogue and, you know, those conversations are, are ongoing.
2: I feel, like, I feel like some... Oh, I forgot to introduce myself like Todd does. Eric Rats, Raul. <laughs> Ratsy. All right. First of all, Raul is my hero, so we can get into that next time Raul is over. He saved my career. But anyway, there's a lot of people that say, well, saved my career or just prolonged it, one of the two. But anyway, I, ha- I have a couple here. Like I was in the minor leagues when, you, when they started implementing these rules. I know as a catcher that I was able to call time. That I was able to talk to my umpire and he could give, he could give one of these, he could wave it off. Are you guys purposely, you just said like strict enforcement. Is that strict enforcement going to continue or are you not able to play your cards
5: with that right now? Um, Yeah, great question, Kratzian. Thanks for the kind words. Great seeing you, brother. yeah, I, I think there's a lot of umpire discretion involved here. So the umpire still has the ability and the authority on the field if he if he deems it necessary to to start the clock over. So that's something that still hasn't changed from those earlier versions. I wasn't I wasn't here, uh, Kratzy, when the earlier versions were, but um, you know there is a lot of umpire discretion. I mean, those there are the guys on the field that uh, that really control the game. Well,
3: what are your thoughts on Scherzer's tactics? Like what he did the other day, quick pitching, holding guys off. And I know a lot of pitchers are going to be doing that. Um, umpires are going to have to be strict with this or, you know, there's going to be a lot of problems, I think, coming up.
5: Yeah, there's the, the memos have gone out, of, you know, not allowing guys a quick pitch because it's a player health and safety. But when, you know, this is what you'd expect from, from you know, elite pitcher like Matt, you know, Max Scherzer. Um, he's going to figure out a way or try to figure out a way to, to 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 compete and to win and to beat the you know make the batter in, in the batter's box make the hitter uncomfortable. So um, I totally expect it from an alpha ace um, ace amongst aces uh, like like Max Scherzer. You know, trying to figure out a way to compete and, and skew uh, the rules in his favor. Um, at the same time, we have sent out a memo. You know, quick pitches do become a, a danger to the hitter, uh, and so uh, you know the umpire has the the ability to 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 stop uh, before if he sees a quick pitch coming. He has the ability to call time and uh, if the pitcher comes set too early and start the play over and there's a warning there and if the pitcher does it again, then it will be deemed a quick quick pitch and, and uh, a ball will be awarded to the hitter. Max
1: doesn't give a damn about the hitter. He's like, screw this. I'm getting this guy out. I don't care if I quick pitch or not. Send me all the memos you want. <laughs> he doesn't care about
2: fines either. Yeah, he's that? like, I don't care. I'm quick
1: pitching. I'm doing whatever I want. I'm getting this dude out.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that. We totally get that.
2: <laughs> how would, how would you have, how would you have dealt with this role? Like you're let's like, I mean, if, if nobody knows about your career, they better Google you because like it was a legit career that spans so many different things, like a prospect gone awry to now I'm in the big leagues slash. I got to reestablish myself slash 305 big league pumps. Like how would you have done it at different parts in your career? How would you have dealt with this?
5: Um, yeah, Krast. I think I think I would have adapted. Right, we would have all had to work on this in the minor leagues. You know, probably making your routine in between pitches a little more efficient, and probably not step out of the batter's box as often, and try to figure out a time when the appropriate time to get in the batter's box is uh, to try to you know get some of your tempo. But I think I think um, you know just the preparation thing. I would have just prepared for it and planned for it like we all would have, and, and like a lot of the guys are doing right now. I've had guys tell me. Hey, I don't even leave the batter's box anymore. I just use the routine in the batter's box. I don't leave the batter's box, and I don't look up until right before I'm supposed to.
3: Have any uh, other memos been uh, put out lately here about any situations? <laughs> no,
5: no. <laughs> I'm sure we all read those memos when they came out. So it, we've, been, uh, it, we've been really, uh, you know, trying to get the information to the coaches, managers, front offices, and of course, as well as the players. Uh, nothing has been out as a late that, that I know of. No. Hey, Ro, let me get a like a fan perspective question
0: in there. I've been a huge fan of having a pitch clock for years. I've called for it. Same with the timeouts back in the day when they were unlimited and every other batter, there was a catcher going to have a two-minute tea party with his pitcher. So I love most of what's going on here. Here's the one thing I have a it's legit question on. I think we're fine. But I have seen some fans go, are the games too quick now? Like, what if I show up late? I'm in New York or L.A. and there's traffic. I'm coming from work, concession stands, like maybe not making as much money. Like, is there a line? I know we talk about pace, right? We want there to be more action. But is if there's two-hour games consistently because you've got, say, Scherzer on the mound, is that too quick? Is there like a, a kind of a time that we're looking at? Because basketball can control that, for example. Most of the games are like two and a half hours because they've got the clock for everything.
5: Yeah, I mean, you, you said it best. It's it's really more about pace of play than it is about length of game and about the crispness of the action on the field. Um, and, you know, I, as we're sitting here doing this, I've brought this up so many times. I'm so glad we have AJ on the on the call here. It You know, the Mark Burley... Cliff Lee's, you know, pace of play uh, that, that's really efficient and the game moves crisply. What we're finding is that, you know, there's more action in the game, more balls are, are getting put in play. Um, and, and at the same time, our, you know, our fans are, are really excited about what's going on on the field. I think we're in the middle of, of something incredible happening in the game of baseball, almost like a renaissance that's coming back right now. It's a really exciting time. Um, but uh, it, it's really more about the crispness of play and the pace of play than it is about any length of game.
1: So Raul, what's next? As a fan as a, as a baseball fan more than anything and then as a former player, like what's next? I know the automatic strike zone's been talked about. I mean, there there's all kinds of things. That, so what's the next rule
5: change/memo slash memo you guys you think? Is it the automatic strike zone? Um I mean, you know, great question, AJ. So there's const- we're constantly experimenting in the minor leagues um and in the in, in the uh, we have partnership leagues as well. And uh the uh every Team every team in uh, AAA will have the ABS system in the automatic balls and strike, Um, and so you know there's one that's really interesting that I got to watch last year, um, and we've been talking to players about this as well. And um, is the ABS challenge system where uh, you get three challenges per team. You can it's really about missing maybe you know the, the call that the egregious call that gets missed, and you can challenge it. The ABS system is running in the background. The hitter. Taps on his helmet, or the pitcher taps on his helmet, or the catcher does, and you challenge the call. And in about three to four seconds, the call comes back, whether it stands on the field or it it, uh, gets overturned. Um, You know that that's one that I got to witness last year. And by the way, going back to the pitch timer, prior to seeing the pitch timer and experience it, I I was pretty skeptical. um, You know until I got to see it in the minor leagues. Uh, So um, you know that that's the one that that is right now running in the minor leagues. Which one do you like? I, you know, the the challenge, the challenge, you know, we've got some really good player feedback, too. It's it's a really interesting thing. So you get three of them. You could challenge a pitch in an 0-0 count, 1-0, whatever you want, two, you know, 2-2. Um, and if you win, you get to keep it. And if you don't, you get to, you know, you lose it for your team. So you go from three to two. Um, I, I like the fan engagement. If you guys ever get an opportunity, we'd love to go out there with you guys. I love the fan engagement because they – put the uh, visual on the scoreboard where the pitch crossed the plate. And uh, there's, there's excitement in the ballpark and a buzz. And at the same time, you're also giving an opportunity for the players to challenge and advocate for themselves. um, You know, whether it's a ball or strike. So you got players just running around the field going like this. (laughs) 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 Listen,
4: as a
3: a player myself too, my, my biggest thing is looking at the clock and that's basically what we've heard from most players is that their biggest thing is, Where's that clock? Let me find it. And we go from there. And I, it's crazy to think now, baseball never had anything. I always talk to people, hey, the greatest thing about baseball is there's no shot clock, there's no time, but this is actually helping too as well. But the clock is the biggest
5: thing, I think, for players. Yeah, it, it's definitely, there's, there's an adjustment period. I mean, we started out with about two violations per game. Uh, then we went to 1.5 violations per game. Now we're down to about 1.1 violations per game. Uh, as you know, these are the best players in the world. These guys are adapting. But um, but there is an adjustment period um, for sure, and we expected that to happen.
0: Hey, Sarul, so we are uh, streaming live on YouTube. So in the fan chat section, Ed said, are they going to give pitchers extra time to get a good grip on the baseball in case of rain, right? If you have to, you know, wipe the baseball off, anything like that, are there umpire-designated safety timeouts?
5: Yes, the umpire has discretion, um, and he's going to – obviously, we're never – going to put a, a player's health at risk, uh, you know, the player health and safety always comes first, but yes, the umpire discretion, if it's, if it's wet, if it's muddy, um, if he, you know, can't get a grip, all he has to do is ask the umpire, um, you know, for the opportunity to dry off the ball or throw out the ball. Yes.
2: So you got, uh, you got your, we know you Cuban American. Who are you rooting for here in the, the end of the WBC? And, and you, there's only one right answer.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately, you want to see a great tournament for the game of baseball, and you want all the right. <laughs> but, but I'm excited. I'm excited for Team USA, right? I'm excited for Team USA, and uh, and you know, I, I I grew up I grew up here. I grew up in the states, so yeah, you Team USA.
1: Wait, Raul, you sound like Todd. Earlier we had Todd on. He said Puerto Rico, Japan, USA, Cuba. (laughs) He named every team that's still left that was going to win.
5: So, uh, we understand that, you know, you're hedging your bet. Todd, Todd, I I totally get that, by the way. I was watching that bit, and I was like, yeah, I totally get that. Hedge the bets. It's smart. Smart play. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you.
3: Hey, listen, I know who I think is going to win it, but I want to see, like you said, an awesome Final Four here, or Final Seven, or whoever's left. And I just want to see a dominating performance by the USA, but I – I think Japan is the team to beat right now. Let's just let's just call a spade a spade. They they look like they've been together for years, and they're coming in. And Cuba might be right behind. Them. I'll just keep going. How about that? I'll just name, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give credit to every team. How about that? But yes, it, it's been fun to watch, and it's weird. Now we're watching this, and there's no time strains, nothing like this, and it's exciting. So people like watching the game. Like man, well, this still could be good, but it's different. You're playing 162 games. This is over, you know, four games in each pool play. But, yes, it's going to be an exciting finish and um, more to come,
0: man. Well, also, Todd, Miami's not usually – I mean, let's be real. Miami's not usually filled up like that. I lived there for a long time. Like, th- this is not a normal game either, Raul. Like, these yeah. are – and the guys say it. That before last night's game, most of the players on Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic said, same exact feeling as Game 7 of the World Series for me right now. Yeah. It's
5: incredible. Yeah. I mean, honestly.
0: Uh-oh. Can we freeze? Raul got the... I know what he was going to say, because I'm, I'm going to be able to do sometimes when someone has bad connection. It's like lip reading, which broadcasters try and do sometimes during games. He was going to say, I get goosebumps. That oh. was the... He, <laughs> he, 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 hey, he was hitting his arm. I see where right? he's going like that. Oh, I heard him say, I get... What else is he going to say? I, I get...
2: Kick you with it? <laughs> I get hey, Raul, Raul's calling my phone. Should I just answer it and put him on the... Put them on. Put them eager. on the speakerphone so we yeah. can say bye. <laughs> Maybe honestly, yeah, let's try it. Yeah, yeah, we're old school here. Can you guys hear it? Yeah, yeah, yeah we hear great. Raul, you're you're on the you're you're still on the show here. Your your Wi-Fi connection in your huge house bounced out.
5: Am I, am I still? Yeah, am I still here?
2: You're still here. We can you're talk still about here. your goosebumps. Yeah, we wanted to can say bye you? to you. I can I can't see you, but I can hear you. And they're talking in my ear, so. He
4: just hung up, up on, on you. It's even better.
3: He hung
4: up uh, on you. Yes. Kratz uh, gets
2: released
1: again. That, that will be on Twitter later. Kratz. Yeah. I definitely,
2: <laughs> while he may be my hero, I'm not his <coughs> That's fine.
0: Raul Abanez cuts Eric Kratz.
2: Cuts I, think think he he thought, assignment. I think he thought I meant we can still hear him. No, nah, nah, he, he, he didn't want to hear, hear your
3: voice anymore. He said, see ya. He,
2: he's like, peace. Can't handle that smoke on the rules. No, that
0: was great, though. Was that, awesome. that was really good insight from him. And I like that he said, because I wanted to know personally,
2: like, oh, is he calling again? He's calling again. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll explain it to him. Just, let's say bye to him, because then we got our next guest. Go ahead. Raul, you're just on the phone. Your computer, it's down.
4: We... <laughs> I am so
5: sorry, guys, and I'm sorry I hung up on you. I <laughs> My screen again, and I was like, "Oh, dude, I'm back on the screen." <laughs> hey,
0: that was that was a lot of fun, man. Good.
6: I, 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 so, I'm sorry about the internet <laughs> No worries, wow. man. Hey, Eric, you got
0: five kids. Eric, tell him he's live right now. We can <laughs> hear him.
2: But but MLB the show
0: downloads going on. A lot of
2: MLB the show downloads going on. You got five kids. <laughs> I get it. You go spend time with the kids. I know you're gonna drink a Cuban coffee when the US plays. So that's totally fair. And Eric, everybody on, the, on show, the show except right Todd now, says thank you for being on.
5: <laughs> Wait, tell everybody I said thank you and tell Todd I said thank you too.
2: You just told him. You're on speakerphone. Thank you. Right.
5: <laughs> right. hey, hey, thank you guys, really. That, that was a lot of fun. Sorry about that. You're the best, kid. We appreciate it. Take care. I don't care
1: what he says after he hung up on you, because it's like when you say butt, when everything you said before butt doesn't matter. He's like, you're the best butt I just hung up on your ass.
4: So thank you,
1: Raul, for hanging up on him on TV,
0: because now we have that forever. (sighs) That was great. Thoughts? Before we bring in Susan Waldman, do a little Yanks talk in a moment. Did you guys get what you wanted out of that? Yeah. He yeah, okay. gave us a lot on the rules. I liked
1: how he said, you know, things are, are – cha- what I like the way he said best is things are still in, kind of in flux, right? It's not like set in stone. We're still working on things, and and that's good because that, that's what has to happen. Like Max will say later, like, keep the game the same. We can tweak the
2: rules, but we don't need to make them set in stone. I like what Raul said. Yeah. And Raul, you, you called him, you know, jokingly called him a traitor, but he definitely understands the player side – and I truly believe if there's somebody in that position to make those decisions, I, I trust Raul too.
0: Hey, let's go on to the Yanks. And we'll talk a little rules right now with the legendary Susan Waldman joining us right now on Foul Territory to make her FT Tours. debut. Susan, it's so great to have you on. Yeah, let's clap it up and freeze. Yeah, this is you, let's man. Go, baby. Let's go. Finish.
7: Now, if you think you had a bad connection with Raul, where do you see this in this hotel that I'm sitting in the middle of the highway in Tampa? Oh. So God <laughs> only knows what's going to happen here. By the way, Scott, do you know sitting with you, well, not with you, are two of the top five huggers in all of baseball? Two of them. It's two not AJ. No, it's it not definitely me. It's not AJ. It's, listen, I, dude, I was, uh-uh. I mean, I'm no. not hugging
1: someone in the clubhouse. I, I mean, no. Todd and Kraft, here, well, are legends. Well, I'm sorry.
7: No. And Well, AJ was not, you were not warm and fuzzy when you were.
1: A <laughs> <laughs> that's, Susan, that's because when <coughs> I played yes. against the
7: Yankees, they always kicked our asses. So what am I supposed to be, excited? I love just got our asses No, 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 again. wait Susan, a minute. Wait a minute. When I first met you, you were in Chicago, and there was a backup catcher, and Chicago was kind of an odd place to go in that clubhouse anyway. It was kind of weird stuff going on. Excuse my wonderful background. There's my refrigerator. And there's my coffee pot. This is great. Um, anyway, um, I was talking to the backup catcher because I knew he wouldn't yell at me. And you came over and you were making all kinds of noises into my microphone so I couldn't use the... Uh, no so I couldn't use Wow. The... Yeah. I would never...
1: <laughs> now that... See, now, we're going to have – this is not the first time I've called someone a liar. I probably didn't do that, but I might (laughs) have done that. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah,
7: you did. Who
1: was it? Widger? Was it Chris Widger? It had to be Chris Widger. Yes, that's
7: exactly who it was.
1: Another Yankee legend. Chris Widger. (laughs) Wow.
7: Well, I've got all kinds of Yankee legends here. By the way, the top few huggers in baseball, Todd Frazier is number one. Uh, Number number 1A is Carlos Pena. Number – Two is Eric Kratz. Number three is the guy you had on before, Raul Abanez. But maybe the top of all time is Shelly Duncan, who is now the AAA manager of Columbus. So there we go, just so you know. Suze,
3: I got to be honest with you. Just seeing your face, every time I see you, you you make me smile. You're the best. Um, (laughs) I appreciate that comment. I appreciate you talking about AJ, the realness of who AJ really is now. It's just... (laughs) Because that fuels the fire.
7: Do you know AJ? You did a really nice thing though years ago when you were with the Red Sox. Um, I was covering that game with Michael Pineda, with with the with the pine tar, which never should have happened. And I hear you were really nice to him. So um, I I know that, that
1: a, Susan, thank yeah. you. That was a horrible situation for everybody involved, including us on the Red Sox. I
7: because know.
1: We were like, we don't want to say anything, but John Farrell's like, I gotta say, we gotta say something, like everyone kind of was doing it but i mean when you have like a pine tar glob like this on your neck after the post the or the new york times and the post the game before he pitched his whole hand was covered in it, and they had a picture of it like this and then the next time he had it on his neck And it was it was just a terrible situation. It it,
7: it started someplace else and he couldn't get to it. And I remember afterwards uh, finding out what you guys tried to to do. And I remember afterwards in the clubhouse and I've never told this, but he knows I know it. Uh, I said, didn't you know that you were going to get suspended if they caught you? And if you remember, it was right after uh, Big Poppy was up. And it was really cold that day in Fenway, and Pineda had tears in his eyes. And he said, I, I, I just didn't want to hurt him. He didn't know where the ball was going, and he didn't want to hit David Ortiz. And that was, I, that to me was the whole thing. I mean, he wasn't trying to get, he just wanted to control it. He didn't want to hurt anybody. And AJ, you were really nice to him. So, um, so, so that makes th- up so for Susan, you. Susan, excuse no,
3: me. F off, Todd. all right listen forget about everything else broadcasting now how's it going I know you could talk a little bit now is it you have to pick up the speed now because the game the pace of game talk to me about that
7: I yeah. have no idea. We just got here. We all had budget cuts too. I just arrived last night. I'll find out tomorrow. You can turn in the WFAN tomorrow when we're in Lakeland uh, with no monitors and see what happens. You know what it is. I know it's you're supposed to pick up the speed. This is going to be the game that I grew up with. You know, you used to be able to go to a, a doubleheader on Sunday afternoon and be home by dinner time. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. The problem that they're going to have is selling spots because I'm not going to have any time to put them in. And that's the whole thing. But I I think it's going to work out fine and everybody will uh, get used to it. Look, it took a long time for baseball to get to the point where they had to do something. I mean, if they had if everybody hadn't really for the last 25 years decided they have to have our 30 years. They have to have this walk up music, and they have to think about this, and they have to have 72 different signs, and you have to do all these things. None of this would have happened, and then you have to do it. So now we're going back to the way it used to be, and it's not a terrible thing, and uh, maybe people will actually you know, sit, through, sit through a game every single day. It's, it's really hard to uh, give up four hours of your life the way the world is right now. So I think it's going to work out fine.
2: Talking about AJ being, you know, being that guy in the clubhouse for you, (laughs) tell us, can you tell us like how the whole Jesse Barfield, you know, really helped in your, like that story to me is, I don't want to say groundbreaking because you're the groundbreaking person, but like how that, not only affected your career, because we know it was such a positive moment for you in a negative moment, but also how. Like, has baseball come far enough? Do we need to change more? Have we come fast (laughs)
7: enough? Well, you're answering your own questions, but I'll tell that story for anybody who doesn't know. I started in 1987. And I got to tell you, everybody talks about the players. This story, players, it's very public, so it gets a lot of ink. Um, I could have handled the players by myself. It was... Um, Your colleagues who didn't, who thought you were taking a job away from a real reporter. It was uh, the people that gave the assignments. We can't have a girl do this. It was the fans, a lot of them. It wasn't necessarily the players, but in 87, um, I had just started and I sat in that press box for a solid year and nobody talked to me. it, It was nobody, nobody at all. Um, The players were fine because Don Mattingly was there and no one's going to do anything with Mattingly in there. Um, But Toronto was tough. Toronto was a tough um, clubhouse in 87. And what I used to do, Eric, and I used to look at uh, media guides back then and I'd look to see where someone went to school. And I looked in that Toronto um, media guide. And there was Jeff Musselman, and I said, okay, he went to Harvard, he's not gonna yell at me. Uh, John Cerruti, our dear John Cerruti, he went to Amherst, we both have degrees in economics, he's not gonna yell at me, I'll go talk to them. And I was in there and I was indeed talking to them. And um, George Bell, uh, the outfielder, was going to talk to the New York press. Now, he hadn't talked to the press all year because they he thought that the New York press had cost him the MVP because they all voted for Mattingly the year before. So um, I started to go over to George Bell, and he started yelling and screaming and in Spanish and English and, get her out of here, and I'm not talking to you. And, you know, the writers didn't want to miss Albert Schweitzer talking. So um, they all just stood there and stared at me and um, back in those days, I, I didn't handle things the way I do now. And I could feel my eyes welling up with tears. And I said, oh, God, just let me get out of here before I start to cry. And um, I started to go to the door and it was dead silence in here. It was just awful. And all of a sudden I hear, what's her name? And one of the writers said, I don't know, it's Susan something. And I hear Susan. And I turned around and it was Jesse Barfield. And he said, I went three for four today. Don't you want to talk to me? And I did. And um, then everybody came over because meanwhile, George Bell was still yelling on the other side of the clubhouse and they never did get to talk to him. And Jesse said, no, I'm talking to her. You go wait for George Bell. And um, it was just uh, it was the kindest moment. There were a couple more. Dave Winfield had one. Um, But there was he didn't know me. I never saw him before. He didn't know me. It was the kindest thing that's ever happened. And uh, Jesse Barfield and his family, uh, we've been friends for 35 years. And it was an extraordinary thing to do back then, going against your own player. And uh, Jesse told me much later that George Bell didn't talk to him for weeks after that. Wow. Wow. Yeah, really So poor. imagine my delight when he was traded to the New York Yankees a year and a half later. So that was um, it was terrific. Now, to answer your other questions, um, no, it has not come far enough. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, I think it all starts, and I know everybody says, you know, you broke this barrier and you broke this barrier. I never got to do what I wanted to do. Because if and you guys don't remember, but when I first did a television game in the 90s, um, I had to be very careful what I said. For example, um, Paul O'Neill came, and I knew that Paul O'Neill's hitting depended on the timing of his leg kick. And if you know if it was too high, he was behind, and if it was too quick, he was in front of the ball, and it didn't work. And the first time I said that on the air, I had the producer in my ear saying, you can't say that. I said, what do you mean I can't say that? And he said, you don't know that. You don't, you're not playing. And I said, I can see it. And he said, no, you have to say I was talking to hitting coach Rick Down, and he told me that in order for Paul O'Neill to be perfectly balanced, he has to do that. And I'd say, what are you talking about? I can see it. I mean, we're not, we're not transplanting a kidney here. And um, so for a long time, I had to do that. And it was, and by the time I caught up to when I could actually say what I wanted to say... It was really, you know, age wise and everything, too late for me to do what I wanted to do. But I'm glad that nobody has those restraints anymore. I mean Jessica Mendoza can get on the air and say ba, 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 and um nobody says a word. But back then you couldn't do it. It was just very odd.
0: That is that is bullshit. Yeah. That that yeah, your then. Yeah, that is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. am yeah. But that was,
7: you know know what, Scott, and here's the thing, and I understand it. I mean, you guys are too young and you don't know, you know, that in 89, I had my own police detail for a solid year that George Steinbrenner put there because someone was trying to kill me. I mean, because it was a a different world, and it seems like it's happened fast because every time you open the door now, there's another woman doing something. It's not. It's really not. It's five minutes ago when an all star said to me, um, get the blank away from me, you blank and radio scum blank. I mean, I can uh. still see him. Um, Big time guy. So it's not. I'm just kidding with you, with A.J. about about the. That, that's the least of it with your noises into the microphone.
1: Um, a, but I'm going to make sure that when I see you next time that I give you the biggest hug. Okay. And that I and I I, I, mean, I don't know how else I can. Maybe I'll bring you flowers or something. I don't know. Oh, I'm that gonna, would be nice. I'm going to make up, I'm going to make up for those noises cuz every time I see you, we have the greatest conversation. So like I I I I have
7: nothing. Well, you I do now. Shooting. You did we do now. I you know since you know it's it's I and, you know if there was People, players can be who they want to be in the clubhouse. That's your place. And, you know, you just because <laughs> you didn't know who I was. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's a lot of that. It doesn't matter. You're supposed to. Was, that's why I've always oh, no, this, said this, to this a this lot of people, me. So, uh, This hurts uh,
1: me. No, because, wait, because I always took pride in being there and answering the
7: questions. Like oh no! You no no! You answered. You answered, but I wasn't one of the Chicago writers, so you didn't. You know, you didn't owe me anything. No, you always answered. Catchers are the best, actually. Just ask yeah. Eric Kratz.
0: That's why they're on this show. I mean, we got multiple catchers <laughs> on this show. It's it's not yeah, for I'm their hair. Like, I think you know? I might cry now, man.
7: Oh yeah, but, no! But don't don't AJ do that. likes.
0: You're on this show too because you like kind of giving people shit and and doing kind of I always tried to not do it to reporters.
1: Unless I knew him well and I didn't know Susan. So that kind of,
0: it was probably so meant more
1: touring. It definitely wasn't personal for Susan. So I hope she understood. Like there was nothing. No, I, don't I, I, no I do
7: understand media. that. I, I understand that. No, it was that more probably all meant all to Widger
1: it. because Widger had just played for the Yankees. So it was probably more of me making fun of him. Okay, I'm going, media, I'll go with that. All the New York media was piled around Widger, right? And I'm like, Chris, you played like. 40 games for the Yankees.
7: Yes, but... you did. That's exactly what you said. You see, were... exactly. <laughs> see, now that would make more sense. I, but then you I, then you stood there and listened and you made noises. It's, it's all right. It's fine. I apologize,
1: but... Susan. I totally apologize. I am, Thank I take you. it all back.
3: You're welcome. The guy that I'm called sorry.
7: me a radio blank, blank, never apologized. I would I never
3: some... call you
1: that. I promise you, that. I would no. never call anybody
3: that. <laughs> hey, Susan, once a Yankee, always a Yankee. You know how it goes. Yes, sir. Um, my question to you is, let's get into the Yankees a little bit. Um, Aaron Judge had that unbelievable year l- last year, broke the home run record, and um, now he bet on himself. I thought that was unbelievable. It was something that, you know, I don't know if I'd be able to do that or most players in baseball would be able to do that, and I made probably excess of over $100 million more million Man, what do you think of him, and how do you think uh, he's going to do this year coming up, especially after that awesome year he had?
7: I worry a little bit. To go back to what you said about building, about betting on yourself, I've never been so excited for somebody to do that because I did tell him, um, before the before the season started, when I knew that that was not that was going to happen, some of us um, have undersold ourselves for a very long time because we want the job so badly that yeah, I'll take that. Okay, fine. Um, he didn't do that, and just think what kind of an extraordinary person that is. And he never changed. I never. I did see him towards the end of the the year as. Um, as the home run race was going on, I saw him start to do a little thing differently, try to keep everything the same, but it's really hard to do. I give him so much credit, Todd. I I have no idea how Roger Maris, I was around when Roger Maris did that. And I, you know, and I know that I was a kid, but I, but I do remember that. And I remember the stories about his hair falling out and him. And there were just think there were only seven or eight writers that followed him around then. And it was very, very tough. And, um, The way he kept things together, um, very much like Jeter, same kind of, he's the same person that that he is now that when he walked in the door, very, not sure of himself, but very, he knows who he is. That doesn't mean he's confident all the time, but he knows who he is. I thought that was one of the most remarkable things I'd ever seen. And boy, it, it really, I'll tear up now. Um, You know, when Roger Maris Jr. showed up, it was just extraordinary how he's going to do. Is he going to hit 70 home runs? I don't know. Um, Does he have to? All he has to do now is be um, the leader that he has been since he's walked in the door. But now he can do it not so quietly, although he is very quiet about it. And he um, leads by example mostly. You always see him, you saw him, you know, he's always standing in the corner talking with somebody, but very quietly and away from people so they wouldn't know. it was a remarkable year, but it would be really nice if other people on the team decided that that they could take some of the burden off of him because without Aaron Judge, they don't get where they got. I mean, and it was an embarrassment, I think, with with Houston. But um, without Aaron Judge, they didn't do anything, and and they shut him down totally. And that was your offense, and that can't be the same this year.
0: Yeah, he really carried the team down the stretch. I mean, the team crumbled on offense, yep. and he was a true MVP in that fashion. It wasn't just 62 home runs for fun. It was, we need just about all of those to win these ball games and hold off other teams in the division. Here's the problem I have, Susan, and I'm all about mm-hmm. fans in the Northeast getting after it, having a good time. I can say this, too. I'm a, I'm a Jersey guy. grew up around mostly Yankee fans. The one problem I have is, boo all you want, especially even if it's a big player regular season. The, the problem I have is in the playoffs, we're not too many games in. This dude had one of the best seasons of all time, and he's getting booed. We're on a show with a bunch of players. I know that's going to grind most people's gears and, and piss them off a little bit. And for some, that doesn't motivate them. That can hurt them. So I uh-huh. just think sometimes a fan base can actually hurt their own player. Did you feel that way at all in the playoffs? Not that he was going to suddenly go, screw them. I'm signing with the Padres. They offered me more money. But I just thought, like, that was a little classless for me. And I know that players have to be careful. Oh, they can do whatever they want. But I'm like, no, screw that. Like, what did I just do for you? You're booing me after three games?
7: No, I, you know, and he'd never say out loud what it, what it really felt like. I've never liked booing. I don't like it at all. Um, but Jeff Nelson, years ago, when he walked in the door, said to me, and this is, what, 96, I guess. Um, and he blew something, and they booed him. And about two days later, he said to me, I get it. They aren't booing me. they're building they're booing the performance. And you have to get that when you play here. I don't like it. I've never liked boot and it does hurt a lot of people. There are people on, on this team that're either not here anymore or maybe they won't be here soon that it actually can bother. Um, I've only heard two players never boot. In in all the years I've been here, the only people I've never heard booed were Bernie Williams and Jorge Posada. And I've got reasons that I think for that. But um, whether it bothered Judge, he said he understood it. And that's the line, Um, because everybody goes. The first person who had to answer that question really was Andy Pettit. And somebody said, how did you feel about um, getting booed? And this was 1996, I think, also. And he said, um, well, I would have booed me, too. I was terrible. And that stops the question and it stops it altogether. And you have to learn how to handle that. That's part of it that I don't like. But um, Aaron Judge, there's nothing he obviously cannot handle. We've seen it all of last year.
2: I was never booed, Susan. So let's just (laughs) get that (laughs) right, okay?
7: I know. I only had
2: two at-bats. I I only had two at-bats. And then in 2020, there's no fans. So I was never booed. So,
7: but (laughs) But you may, yeah.
2: No, no, go ahead. I want you to I want you to praise me, and then I'll go ahead. No,
7: wait. Now, were you the Yankee, or were you with Cleveland when you hit that home run? Wait a minute. I'm trying to remember. I, we were talking about your home run. You had a home run.
2: No, that um, wasn't with like the that. Yankees. I was on you, the Yankees when we were talking about it, but no. Oh, no.
7: okay. Was no. that Cleveland? Okay.
2: That was Milwaukee.
7: Milwaukee. Milwaukee is when
2: we were talking about it.
7: That's right. Yes, that's yes.
2: true. I'm I hit the home run I, when I was with the Giants against the Yankees. Anyway, enough about me, Susan. This is why you're here. Question that I need to know, are we going to be able to follow you and Meredith on some social media, like adventure again, like Niagara Falls, like you, like you girlies did?
7: I I certainly hope so. You didn't see us when we got dressed up in Milwaukee in the the hot
2: dog You did the the sausage race, but like this summer, like what, what is coming up? This is an advertisement for what we, what we're going to watch.
7: I don't know. Um, Let's see. It depends on where we're going. Um, Let's see. I think think, (laughs) we are going everywhere. Um, Well, give me some examples. What can we do? We're going to Colorado. What should we do in Colorado, for example? What should uh, we do in Well, um, I don't think Colorado's a good
2: state. I don't know if we can talk about what you can do in Colorado in every <laughs> state. So let's go All with, right. Well
7: wait. Um, next week Meredith's trying to get me to go out on a fishing boat in the ocean and, and catch big fish or something. Listen, yes. I'm from Boston. I don't know anything about fish except you get lobster in the summer. I don't but I'll do that. Should we do that? Put that yes, on
2: friend. Let's see, let's see, let's see a live, a live feed of you and Meredith pulling in some big, what do they got out, there? what do they got down there? Some snook? I don't, I don't know, know what they got.
7: I don't know, they got grouper? I don't know. Um, snook, grouper, grouper
2: right? redfish? Yeah. Yeah,
7: they
1: got all kinds of stuff in Florida. Try it one time, Krautzee. We got oh. lots of good fish down here. Out in Tampa. I love fish. I love eating fish. I don't need to go out fishing.
7: Yeah, uh, I Susan, don't either.
1: I, Susan, I got an idea. When you go to Atlanta, you guys can race the freeze. <laughs>
7: <laughs> can do what? Oh, Race yeah. The the guy
0: in beat the, the freeze. Yeah, the guy who runs beat the freeze. Yeah, but, like, trip him. Do something because yeah. the dude's so fast and he embarrasses everyone. Like, yeah. you got, you should put him in a headlock and be like, go. Meredith, go. And then Meredith, what?
7: yeah. <laughs> oh, so I'm the one that's going to do the headlock and Meredith is going to do the running. <laughs> yes.
0: don't yeah. uh-huh. well, no, vice uh-huh. versa. But, Susan, you're tough. You know, you can take him.
7: Um... <laughs> I could probably figure something out. We could do that. <laughs> Atlanta—that's the one park I think I have never been. I've never been, actually, oh, to wow. that one. And the new, and the new park in um, Texas—I was—I wasn't there either. So, other than that, it's um, well. If you can think of ideas, you could uh, you could let me know. Crab will you. Is that your own you. batting cage? Is that your own batting cage, Yes,
3: guy? yes, yes. It's—I got my own little cage. I made it for my son. Well, both my kids and my daughter. But I should have did it. Back in the day for myself, I'd I'd still be playing right now, Sue. So it was a a big mistake on
0: my part. (laughs) Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Just a a one-sentence finisher for Yankee fans. Are they winning it all this year?
7: Um, Is Houston leaving the league?
4: (laughs)
0: Nope. (laughs) There's your answer.
4: Wow. (laughs) Boom.
0: That is a mic drop right there. Hey, you're right.
7: You never know. That's why we're going to play all these games, though, right? That's right.
0: Yeah, right. And, hey, injuries happen, the whole deal. But, Susan, this was awesome. These guys were very excited to have you on and well worth the wait. So thank you for oh. joining us out there. And uh, have fun at Yanks Camp. And, and good luck with the games t- uh, speeding by.
7: Uh, we're going to try. And if there's a problem, I can call you guys at any moment to come on and fill time, right?
0: Yes. Perfect. You have okay. all of our numbers. We, you got it.
7: <laughs> thank you. Thank hey, you. you.
0: Susan Waldman with us. All right. Um, we are going to run Max Scherzer in a moment. That was awesome, though, uh, to yeah. have Susan with us and um, her giving you shit right off the top. I mean, Tick. that's I love that. Nice. That's I, Anyone I, that I, wants I, to I, give AJ shit. I'm denying that story. Send us Listen. your number. We'll send you the link. You'll come on the show.
3: <laughs> Listen, there's more stories. That, I'm sure there's probably 10 more stories about AJ doing stuff like that. We're getting it out now. It's a beautiful thing. The real AJ is going to be hashtag the real AJ.
1: No, I mean, I don't think that. I I, 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 still don't think. I mean, listen. Did I give? I give Widger some shit. Absolutely, but I would never go to a reporter unless I knew him very well, and do anything. So that—that's why I
3: kind of it. So's don't like I mess plen- around, dude. So I don't- no,
1: listen. I did plenty of stuff. I admit it, but I didn't never I never would go out of my way unless it was, like, Scott Merkin for the White Sox. So I, right, you know, someone or, you know. Yeah, or like, I would like give that. them,
0: but I would never, like. Yeah,
1: like, but Susan, you were.
0: Susan was always great. Yeah, you were messing with a teammate, though, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. was part of your bit. That's all. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no no need to get offended. Um, that was good shit. You know, dude, I just, your kids I, watch
1: the show, and they're like, you yeah, did that, that, that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think they're yeah. going to be more pissed at, at the fact that you're not a good hugger. They're like, yo. I, dude, well, first of all, I'm not hugging a reporter. Sure. No, that's fair. That's fair. Right? Yeah. uh, Yeah, you keep your separation. Now, if I played for the
1: Yankees like these other two.
0: That's Yankee love. That's Yankee love. That's what they do. Yeah. I'm saying. Hey, we got to get to Max Scherzer because, I mean, we got a pretty good hour coming up for you. Scherzer for the next 30. And then Aaron Boone's going to join us live. So Scherzer is from yesterday, later in the day. That's why the show was already off. We tried to do all the interviews live. But, you know, we also want to cater to player schedules. So we spoke to Max. You won't hear him talking about his teammate, Edwin Diaz, because this was yesterday before the game. But uh, he likes talking pitch clock and new rules. So let's get to Max Scherzer's conversation with us airing for the first time right now on Foul Territory. And by Max Scherzer making his Foul Territory debut. And really one of the reasons why a show like this exists, to be able to have conversations with Max, with some of his boys. Max, it's AJ, Scotty B and Todd Frazier. How's spring training going, man?
8: Doing good. Uh, in the thick of it, uh, you're starting to get to the point where uh, you're, you're over it because once you get to five innings, you're like, all right, let's play some baseball. Uh, but you got to get those last two starts in. So uh, this is, these last two weeks are for the pitchers, not the hitters.
1: Well, OK, that's great. You're healthy. Everything's coming. Five innings is awesome. But let's let's get right to it, Max. Uh, the pitch rules. You're you're in the middle of it. You've already been in the middle of it. You were in the middle of it off season. So I'm just going to let you talk about what you like, what you don't like, your quick pitching guys. So I'm just going to let you run on this and and we'll chime in when you get a, when you get a breath. All
8: right. Well, I think if we we're going to talk about the pitch clock, we got to understand the history of this and kind of understand how, the, how the pace of games unfolded and, and where the conversations have been to really appreciate the context of really where the game needs to go. Um, you know, I go back eight years ago when we, you know, the pace of game was slowing beyond two hours, 45 minutes, and, you know, we wanted to kind of institute some rules to try to pick up the pace. And one of those you know, type of rules was to say, um, let's, find, let's start finding the hitters that are stepping out of the box or pitchers that are taking too long that, you know, to try to make the game, the pace of game work quicker, uh, you know, it would be underneath a fine system. And, you know, I think some parties involved thought that that would get the desired result. Uh, and actually it kind of backfired because we had n- numerous players um, saying that they didn't care what you what you find me like I'm gonna th- th- wins and losses are not the line like I'm gonna take my time in those situations you know when the games are at stake you know, you'll find me what it, find me a thousand dollars it doesn't matter like I'm, I'm here to win and so that that kind of shut down the you know kind of the stick element to how you're gonna um, implement a rule to try to uh, get pace out of this. You know, I think then they tried it with the carrot and to say, hey, if you do work quick, you could get, you know, you can make an, you know, an extra dollar or two. And again, that just didn't, um, you know, it, it didn't have enough material change uh, in the way guys were playing baseball. So as a you know, kind of the issue kind of kept, you know, as the pace kept slowing down through the, you know, now, you know, take it through like 7, 2017, 18, 19, 20, you know, around those years, um, you know, we started I think there was a one spring train where we even experiment with a clock and it, and I, I was vocal and I said, look, I don't think there should be a clock in baseball. Uh, you know, I said it and I saw how it worked. thought majority of the time I was, you know, operating, um, within the clock and that, you know, to have ball strike implications, um, you know, with the clock, um, you know, that, that, that didn't, that didn't necessarily make sense. Um, as you know, as this issue continued to grow, um, you know the, the game continued to slow down even more, and it started crossing over the three hour barrier. You know the average game length Uh it's starting to cross over the three hour mark. You know three oh five, and, and the games are slow. I get it. You know if you listen to fans; the fans are basically saying it's unwatchable. Um, you know, and that they they really the fans really didn't like the pace pace of play, and that it was a problem. Um, and it was a problem for a variety of reasons, both hitter and pitcher related. Um, so you kind of get around to, you know, you know, being on the competition committees, you know, being a part of the union, uh, being in these conversations, uh, you know, one of the things that I was stressing was that we needed some type of rule-based system to, to enforce this. You know, what, what are we actually trying to accomplish here? We're trying to get hitters to stay in the box, uh, you know, pitchers on the mound, And one thing I kept harping on was the role of timeout. The the way the hitters could use timeout, you know, in an unlimited fashion, I mean, that's how things would slow down. I mean, if I try to work quick, the hitter could call timeout. If I shake off too much, the hitter could call timeout. Um, That, you know, that that was a component to this pace problem. Um, I also believe another component to this was the foul ball situation. Um, You know, over the past, call it 10 years, I think, Pitcher stuff has really gotten better. Uh, we have, you know, guys throwing harder, more breaking stuff. And we're seeing more foul balls more than ever. And, you know, that, that's another contributing factor in this that there's more foul balls within the game. I think that kind of lays all the kind of groundwork to understand where this problem goes forward from here. Uh, you, come, you come out of the CBA and the owners, uh, you, you know, have experiment in the minor leagues with the clock. Um, but... I saw the clock last year, uh, and it's different when you don't have pitch comm. Uh If you don't have pitch comm, you know, as a pitcher, you know, you, you talk to the minor leaders that are un- underneath this, and they're—I mean, they were con- consistently rushed, and uh, you know, just led for a different style of ball game when when there was a pitch clock. And so the minor leaders weren't necessarily uh, given rave reviews about it. Um, I thought, you know, maybe there's a pit way forward with clock. If there's pitch comm, let's see what this looks like. So I think we get that kind of gets us to this point in spring training uh, where now we have a pitch clock, now we have pitch comm, and even myself, I can call the pitches. So that kind of now puts us in the, you know, like that, that kind of sets the stage for how we want to look at this next. Um, one of the main objectives uh, of having the pitch clock uh, was to clean up the dead time within the game. And playing underneath this pitch clock, in uh, seeing this happen and playing underneath the uh, you know 15 seconds with no one on base 20 seconds You know with a runner on base. So if I say, you know 15 20 pace, that's what I'm talking about That playing underneath 15 20 second pace. This is actually good um, You know for from the most part 90% of the time. I mean players are playing underneath this type of pace and we've adjusted and it works and 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 I think the game's better for it uh, playing at an up pace. I mean, we've seen how much the game time uh, has shrunk. We're looking at two hours, you know, 35 minutes. I think that's a basic, I think I heard it's a 25-minute reduction in game time. And the fans have seen a positive reaction to it. And so I, I get it. There, I have a positive reaction to it as well. It's nice to be able to get on the mound, work quick. You know, hitters, you know, can't slow the game down. You know, and I think the, the rule change of only having one time out has been a, you know, significant contributor to that because the hitter now has to be in a box has to you know be ready for the pitcher and they, they can't really do a lot of things that they were accustomed to doing and that's really picked up the pace and, and players have adjusted
1: so so max uh to, to piggyback on that when you were when you were pitching and i was facing you you're one of the best right at holding the ball holding the ball holding the ball and the guy got on first base right and then i'd be like well crap he's held the ball for 10 seconds Timeout here right that the pitch clock, once you come set from the stretch, right, you can hold it or be as quick as you want. It, the timer starts when you engage the rubber. and you, Because when you were like – I mean, I remember hitting off you and there's a guy on first and you just stand there mm-hmm. forever, right? And then it would mess right. with me and mess with the – so I can call timeout yeah. once. And then you can stand there for a minute, right, because the timer starts once you come set?
8: Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. underneath the current rules, yes. Um, the timer would reset in that in that scenario. And let's say you get in a box and you're alert at 12 seconds. I have the ability to pitch whenever within that 12 second Delta.
1: Okay. So you could rush me or you could wait the full 12 seconds. Correct. Now could a base runner time you up and say, well, the 12 seconds, I know he has to go home.
8: Correct. And, okay. and you know, with the two pickoff rule, I mean, that's changed the component of the game as well. So I think that this kind of gets to, okay, what are the negatives? What, you know, what's kind of player feedback? How are we, how are we looking at this? And, and you know we've seen in spring training, I mean we saw a game actually ended because of, ended because of the pitch clock. I mean if that actually happened in the regular season game where you got a big moment of in this in, in a big moment in regular season game we're gonna end the game because of pace, you know I, I, I can't subscribe to that because that's outside the scope of what this was pitched as is it, it, that we're trying to clean up the dead time within the game, not change the game. And so when you start changing the results of game, because of the punishment that that you need to implement this, that's where you kind of lose me of saying that we need a clock. Um, You know, sitting here today, you know, middle of March of of trying to think through, okay, what should the rule really be? And, you know, I'm kind of coming to the, uh, you know, thinking through this and, you know, this is kind of more for discussion, but I think there's something to it is to say, look, the umpire should have discretion of when you can turn that clock on or off. Uh, that if the umpire thinks the game is too, moving too slow, then turn the clock on. And we have to play underneath the clock. We have to play underneath 15, 20, 20 second pace. And, we, and there's ball strike implications if you don't. But if all the players are playing underneath 15, 20 second pace, do you really need a clock? Do you really need a ball strike somebody because of an innocuous event, some random thing that happens, uh, you know, that just takes, takes a hitter's eye off the, you know, off the pitcher for one split second and then he's up at seven seconds and he gets a ball and we change the outcome of an at a bat. Uh, that's where it starts losing me. And so that's where I feel like if the umpire had a discretion of when the pitch clock could be on or off, then we can just play baseball. And, and like we said, night, at least 90% of the time, we're playing at 15 second pace right now. So it'd be a way to kind of blend both the rule-based system and have the clock be there in the background to ensure that the game's, are moving at a quick pace, but without really disrupting the game unless there's really clear clear evidence of, like, a true infraction. Hey, Max.
3: Um, my question, I'm going to be devil's advocate here about the whole situation. You know, I'm old-school guy, you know, one of those things. I do believe we should quicken it up, and I do think it's been great. But it's sometimes, too, as well. Like, for me, watching the game I saw earlier today, a guy was pitching now. He's going to his belt trying to give the pitch. That pitch con, which you do as well, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, isn't as a pitcher, you know, because usually we talk about pitchers, just give me the pitch and go. We don't want to you guys don't want to think about that much while you're pitching. But for me, wouldn't that be like not good as a pitcher? Just understand. All right. I got to think about exactly what pitch. Then I got to press the button then I got to give it back to him. Can you explain that to me and to uh, fans out there how that is either a good thing or a bad thing? What's your perspective on that?
5: Oh, it's actually
8: a great thing. Um, You know, there's times where I absolutely know what pitch I want to throw, um, you know, given the situation in the game, and I can just call it in. Um, But I've also experimented with this enough that, no, there's some cadence of working with your catcher and and letting your catcher call the pitches. So it's a dynamic that I'm, I'm currently, you know, kind of working through and understanding, you know, when should I be calling pitches, when do I let the catcher call pitches, and just let that happen um because of the clock you i think it's uh you know given how many different kind of pitches and executions that you want to be able to do at this level the pitcher has to be able to make make quick um you know be able to communicate with the catcher quickly and be able to get our signals right that it the, the pitch comm is uh necessary if we're going to have a pitch clock
1: see, Fra- uh, see- max Fraser doesn't get it because he he's never been a pitcher catcher relationship <laughs> right so he doesn't understand like that how it works and like, but it's the pitcher's ball, right? You have the ball in your hand. It is your ball. You can throw whatever you want. I'm putting down suggestions. So as a catcher, listen, you call your own game. You know why? Cause then the manager can't yell at me when I come in and he goes, why'd you call the slider? O2? Well, I didn't mean for him to hang it. Right. So good. Good on you pitchers. Take the pitch comp, type it in, tell me what's coming. I'll knock it down,
3: but then it's on you. So uh, go for it, Max. But Max, listen, I don't mm-hmm. interrupt. You. What happens if you're a younger guy and you're still trying to understand the pitchers? You know what I mean. So there's, there's a concept to that too. So you got to find. Is that more homework you got to do? Is that talking to a guy like you? Like what? What's what's the
8: difference there? Uh, I just think it's a learning curve for everybody. Um, you know, maybe there are guys that don't want to use the pitch com. Uh, I'm sure there's guys that do want to use the pitch com. Uh, maybe there's veterans that are willing to use it more. Um, I I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, I think it's a good thing. But I also think we need to write some rules around the scope of this and make sure that we contain this where it is now. That it should only be players on the field that can have one of those communicators. Uh, we need to write in the rules right now and stop nip this in the bud. That that somebody on the bench couldn't be doing this uh, because I don't want to see a slip. I, I see a slippery slope here that all of a sudden the front offices and pitching coaches are going to start you know calling in the pitches, and that's the last thing that I want to see happen. But right now you can't do that, correct? Correct, correct. Okay. But, you know, once it's become, let's say this becomes popular, like, okay, pitchers, you know, can start calling their own pitches. Then, you know, what's next? And so let's write the rule in now saying no, <laughs> under no pretenses do we ever foresee this happening, where the pitches or front office or anybody can call a pitch for a pitcher.
1: Well, college, colleges do that now, right, with the walkie-talkies? The, 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 I think want, so. Yeah, they have the earpiece. The catcher has a little earpiece in, and the, the co- you see the coach like, okay, fastball in, you know, and then the catcher's like, okay, and then and then they have the little wristband thing too. They call right, and it says whatever the pitch is. So you don't you don't want to see that. that you, and I like that because it still puts a human element. It's not an analytic driven. So I'm all for that too.
0: Right. Hey Max back to the pitch clock for a moment what are some Mm -hmm. of the intricacies that need to be changed and is there ongoing discussion about anything changing during spring training here because we're a couple weeks away from the season and like almost every day we see some new wrinkle that comes out whether someone knows they're doing something wrong or not or some are trying to game the system like what have you observed?
8: Yeah I mean they're making little changes uh you know, kind of every day on this, but I mean that we kind of anticipated that. We knew that was going to happen. We knew there was going to be a, a big learning curve from this. That uh, you know, what taking what happens in the minor leagues and, and assuming it's going to work fluently in the big leagues, uh, you know, you knew there was going to be some hiccups and and ways to uh, you know. Manipulate the clock to your advantage both hitter pitcher. So uh, I think everybody's working through that trying to figure out exactly where where all the lines are at and then more importantly also understanding where the umpires are on this and understanding where it's kind of hard and fast and where there's umpire discretion and then and then thinking about all the you know foul ball situations where the left fielder's out of position. You know if he's running back to his position and I wait for him like should that I really be getting a ball if I'm waiting on my left fielder or does the umpire have the discretion to sit there and say, all right, that's not what we're actually trying to, you know, you're you're pitching at a correct pace. You know, it's just a random thing that happens within the game that's slowing the game down, not not the actual pitcher.
1: Max, so, okay, I understand, like, what you're saying about the pitch clock and the tweaks, but let's say you're you're CG right now, you're eight and two-thirds, you're 100 pitches in, you're tired, you're hot, you know, it's middle of July, and you have to go cover first, right? And then you need the little breather that we used to be able to give you by having the first baseman walk over the catcher, walk out. Like, is that, we're still going to be room for that for the umpires? Will they help guys out or is it going to be like 20 seconds, get back on the mountain and the guys out there <gasps> like, are you going to be like, fuck this? I'm I got, I need a break. I'll take a ball.
8: Well, I mean, you have 30 seconds in, in between at bats. So I mean, I, I think that would be enough time anyway. Um, you know, like I said, there's there's going to be plenty of situations that we have to to see unfold and make decisions after that. Uh, we don't have everything figured out yet, and both player and umpire and MLB. So, um, you know, the the component of this of picking up the pace of the game is definitely fascinating, and it's definitely been a, a, a step in the right direction. And we definitely need that because what where status quo was in 2022. Um, You know, I'd rather have the clock than where status quo was in 2022. Uh, Given that, I just don't want to see these negative outcomes happen over just random events when guys are just playing baseball at a normal pace.
3: Max, um, I saw the other day uh, my boy Pete Alonzo over there. He was leading off an inning. Next thing you know, a guy may not, he comes sprinting out of there at first base to get in the dugout, get his stuff on, Get in the, get in the bad box. Next thing you know, he does this thing with his breathing. Like, that's not, that's, that's not the whole purpose of this whole thing. It's to speed up the game, but as well, like, as a hitter coming off the field, that's got to play with your mind a little bit too, man. If I'm in the alpha, I make a dive and play. Next thing you know, you got, you know, some odd, you know, less than two minutes to get there, get going. And if you're not ready, they're going to bang you for strike one. You're not ready to get back, you know what I mean? So it's like, right. there has to be that, you know, that gap right there with uh, like an umpire's discretion or something. That has, has to be talked about, no?
8: Yeah. And and that's what we are talking about. And that's, that's kind of, you know, a situation that, I mean, you know, that we're all thinking about and alluding to is that, you know, what happens in that scenario? You know, let's, let's even take it a little bit step farther. You know, let's say a defender, you know, dives and kind of hurts himself a little bit. You know, he needs a second. Like, okay, that seems like an obvious umpire discretion, but like, where does that go? Like, how, how, where, where is that line? Like, where, where are we actually going to define it? because we know when we say umpire discretion, there's a wide variety of umpires that can view that in a different way, that there'll be some guys that are completely sticklers and then there'll be other umpires that are very lenient. And so that's, that's one of the concerns uh, that I have seen going forward in the regular season when, you know, these things, if this happens late in the game, I mean, in in spring training, it's one thing to have it happen and maybe hit Twitter and and we laugh at it, but it's going to be another thing when a game is decided by this and, I know I, I, I get the objective that we're trying to do. We're, we're shortening the, 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 you know, the time of games, getting it back to, you know, 240. That'd be great. Uh, I, I want that as much as possible. But are we really going to get the, you know, what's the difference between 240 and 245? I mean, how much more do we have to step through the game and change the game to get those to squeeze maybe those extra five minutes out of there? And by
0: the way, Max, who's we like when you're talking about this, of course, this discussion is going on within the team and, and players, but are there active discussions going on with the rules committee? Like, are we going to actually see certain changes and kind of additions to what's in place right now about how things will work? Because gray area is usually not a good thing. Like you mentioned, you have you go to class, some teachers are strict, some are a little loose on what time you can get there. So it sounds like if we're leaving it to the umpires, like you said, it could be an issue. So like what's the inside word on where this is getting figured out?
8: Yeah, I don't know exactly. Cause I'm, I, you know, I got four kids now. I don't have time to be a part of the, uh, be on the phone calls with the union or the competition committee. So, I, you know, I've retired from my union, I've, I've taken my union hat off, but um, you know, I mean, these are just conversations we're having, uh, you know, things, things we're thinking about, things we're talking about different scenarios that are unfolding um, and how to handle them. and, 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 when we're handling it, it's it's really asking the umpires and in, you know every single day we're getting you know different things thrown at us so we're trying to figure this out we're trying to work it's just that I feel like you know everybody's figured out how to p- play underneath this type of pace and we like this type of pace it's you know where is the punishment going to be when Mike you know a second here second there is that really necessary
1: Max who is on. Who's on the competition committee? Is it its owners and players? Correct.
8: Uh, I think that. Well, if we're talking about the CBA, com- um, you know, that competition committee, yeah. There's, I think, six owners, one umpire, and four players. Okay, and then
1: the owners. What I don't think a lot of people understand is owners can put rules in without the players okaying them. Correct. Correct. Like they can say, "Hey, we're playing every game at two in the morning," and the players are like, "We we have we don't have a choice, right?" So, so. I know that there's been some fight, like you keep talking about the players on this rule, on these rules. But you know, the bigger bases, the 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 new the times, all these new things they're shifts. putting in the shift stuff. Like, what's the biggest one the players are talking about? The pitch clock, or is it the shifts? I mean, if I was left-handed hitter, I'm like, no shift, great. So, which one are the players like really digging in on? It's got to be the clock.
8: Oh, it's the clock because it because it affects every single play. Um, you know, when you're on the m- mound, I mean, one of the, one of the notions is uh, that we've heard is you know, coming from MLB is that, look, you know, guys figure it out and there's, you know, only a handful, maybe a one violation per game, you know, life has moved on and is really the clock a factor. And, you know, my retort is absolutely like you have to look at that clock every single second. Uh, you know, I took a violation uh, a couple games ago uh, on a, on an OO count, you know, where a hitter was getting up to, up to the plate. Um, you know, I, you know, for every at bat, like I, I had never been slow on the, the first pitch in my bat, like it always been 20 seconds. So I kind of tuned it out. Um, and so I tuned out one of those at bats, and the clock ran out of me. I had no idea, and so I've had to make the adjustment. No, like literally every pitch, you need to check that clock to see exactly where you're at. So this the clock is literally affecting the game, and even so much is affecting we, we've changed now the component of first base. You know, if a runner's on first base, a stolen base game. Uh, two pickoffs and the third one's a balk like that's completely changing the game that's outside the scope of you know cleaning up dead time within the game so that's kind of my you know pause for hesitation understand the good and the pros out of the pitch con but there's some cons here and we need to think through it and think about what the right uh you know rules ought to be uh to make sure that baseball is just played like baseball no more, no more Max's quick feet, and then the little lob throw over to first anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. the balloon ball over there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this, this, I mean, that's a uh, very specific thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I always did that uh, because if you know, I call it, you know, if you go with an A move, um, you know, but sometimes I've had it be in the, where my feet can get caught in the hole and I can throw the ball away. And so I found was that, you know, if I at least keep my feet quick, that even if I do catch that hole and I'm in a lob throw, at least I won't throw the ball away. Like the runner can't advance. So I can at least like, you know, show, I call it the B move, you know, the rainbow throw, uh, where I at least have quick feet and then uh, show a rainbow throw. Like, okay, at least there's where it's at. And then once I kind of have that feel of understanding, you know, the mound and where the pickoff is. Then come back with an A move. Um, yeah, I'm having to make an adjustment. I, I can't have a rainbow throw anymore. I'm, I'm, I, I'm working on not only having an A move, but having an A-plus move and making an adjustment to that because I need the hitter uh, – or hitter – I need the runner to uh, assume that I have like, – they could see my best move at any time. So, yeah, that's one of the adjustments I'm having to make.
0: Doesn't this change lead to more stolen bases, though, and that could be looked at as a good thing for the game because we don't really have that anymore?
8: Um, you know, this, this will be an interesting dynamic of how this plays out between the pitcher, runner, catcher, uh, and the time. Um, I think just on the surface, it seems like that would help the runner. Uh, I think, uh, there'll be a learning curve. Uh, I think in the beginning, the runners are going to figure this out faster because of, of the pickoff re- uh, reduction. Um, however, I, I think once pitchers kind of figure out, Hey, and this, this, this comes back from Rajay Davis. Rajay Davis, you know, you want to stop a running game, just hold the ball. Uh, so, like, when A.J.'s talking about, hey, hey, Max held the ball, Well, you can blame A.J. Or you can blame uh, Rajay Davis for that because he said, you want to shut down a running game, just hold the ball. And so I could hold a, I, got, I I got really comfortable holding the ball for eight, ten seconds. It didn't bug me whatsoever. And I didn't have to pick off anymore. And I could uh, control the running game, mess with the hitter, all in the same breath, and as long as I could – Slow the game down by holding the ball. So um, I I feel like now you have a bigger delta to play with. Um, You know, there's at least eight seconds to play with now, whereas probably before, there's maybe only four or five before the hitter would call a timeout. So it'll be interesting to see how that comes uh, through in the season. Uh, If you're able to, you know, pitch at eight seconds, pitch at one second, pitch at eight seconds, pitch at four seconds, and really change up uh, your holds, uh, how that will affect the running game.
1: So, so, Max, we already saw you in spring this time. He, I guess you got called for a balk or a violation for quick pitching the guy. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to show the video here real quick of you. Can you explain what happened? Like, you've quick pitched, you've held. The guy calls timeout, yep. right? And you're like, okay, screw this. I'm coming set while he's not looking. And then right. you throw it before he looks up. This is awesome to me. And, he blow, and then the umpire's like, wait, that's a balk. Like, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. You did everything right. So explain to me what you're arguing with the umpire and what he's saying back to you.
8: Yeah. So that was previous game. Like you can come set before the hitter was alert. Um, I think they got rid of that. Uh, but in that moment, I was pressing to see, all right, what, what's, you know, when can you actually go? Now I get, I, I went, I, I went a split second too early. I, I get it. But I was trying to see like it, it's, it, it's wild to come set before the hitters alert. And knowing that uh, he just took a, you know, Victor just took a timeout that he no longer has a timeout. So, uh you know, at this point now I can quick pitch and he can't stop me. Um, and so, I, you know, he's in there, the umpire tells me go. And so I'm trying to kind of sync up when he's going to look up and when I can fire the ball um, and try to get the feel of the rhythm of the timing. And so I felt like I felt like I had got Victor's eyes. His head was moving up, um, but I mean, you know, watching a replay, I, I went too early and I, I get it. Uh, I was learning it. I, if you actually go back in, later in that game, I, I understood, okay, I, I took a block. You know, I'm learning this. And then I, I understood what I needed, where the rhythm is. Like, I got to see the hitter's eyes. And then once I got the hitter's eyes, then I, 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 then I got it. And then, then it wasn't going to, then I haven't done it again. So I, I always uh, tried,
1: I always tried not to look in your eyes because, you know, I didn't <laughs> know which one to look at. So I was always like, well, if I feel good, I'll look in the brown one. But if I get a little scared, I'm going to look in the blue one. So, but to me, like, I can't wait to see, like, you, Grinky, probably Verlin. Like, the veteran guys are going to mess with hitters timing. You know, was a big leg kick guy. Like, you could just sit there and hold the ball, hold the ball, and then boom, and the next pitch rush him. Like, I can't wait to see you veteran guys just mess with hitters and basically fuck with hitters until they can't hit anymore.
8: Yeah, I mean, I, I fully believe that's a, you know, I, I feel like we're more like a quarterback now where you're able to, you know, a quarterback really has a, uses the play clock to their advantage, and then they run different plays off the play clock. Well, that, that's kind of what we're doing now as a pitcher now. You know, we have a pitch clock. Um, you know, you, I'll be able to run certain pitches and think of different things. Uh, so that's going to be a challenge and see how this unfolds. This was awesome. Really
0: appreciate it. Great to have you on. Hope we can do this throughout the season to get into the good stuff that needs to be talked about.
8: Yep, appreciate you.
0: Thoughts?
1: He gets into it. I think it's an interesting perspective from a player and, and one of the lead players in all the discussions, right? It's it's just an interesting side to hear after having Abania's on and then now having Max on. It is just an interesting, it's an interesting conundrum because some of the players like it, some of the players don't like it. Veteran players don't really like it. The biggest thing for me is how can you take advantage of the clock as a pitcher or a hitter and what changes are coming – and then I hate the fact that he's saying like I'm always just staring at the clock. Like to me that that's not the way baseball is meant to be played.
2: Today, today, I mean, he's staring at the clock. I bet when he comes on again at the end of April, he's not going to be staring at the clock. But like you ask a quarterback, they they don't, they're always looking at the they're always looking at the play clock. You know, they're running it down. They're going a quick you know a quick count. They're they're taking it down to. You know, to zero to one, they can't just snap it at the same time all the time. It's just a different, it's a different look. It's a different uh, strategy.
3: Yeah. Now and now it's the game within the game. There's a little more going on, and I talked about it before, like having that pitch calm. Is that gonna bother some people? Probably not, but it might bother a couple people. Uh, you can't hear during the game. You know, big situations. There's gonna be a lot of unknowns, but at the same time, it's good for the game. It's speeding it up. But the rules, it's going to be like, uh, well, we said this, we said that. It's going to be a lot of umpire um, craziness going on, I think.
0: I'm hearing some similarities here to a sport that's pretty popular in this country, Todd. Oh, they might not be able to hear when it's loud in their their ear. That sounds like a quarterback, which Max said, you're becoming more of a quarterback. You can mess with your play clock, your pitch clock. I think that's pretty cool. I think
2: something that was... I think something that that he brought up that I have been banging the drone about ever since they started the whole Pitchcom thing was he doesn't want to see the Pitchcom leave the field. like, Because I've heard meetings, and I won't say which teams, but where the certain department, being very vague with this, is saying (laughs) at the end of the season, oh, you know what? I know you guys did really well. Pitching staff did really well. Uh, but you know what we're going to do? We we, ha- we have the better answers with our analytic department. So, you know, maybe you should listen to us more. That's one step away from some dude up there with the numbers going, boop, fastball. <laughs> and everyone's like, all right, fastball, here we go. Crouch, you were talking about the Yankees, weren't you? I wasn't talking about the Yankees. <laughs> He's just pass. trying to set you
0: up because Booney's yeah, ready. Yeah, because we got Booney coming. Uh, bring, yeah.
2: bring him in. Bring him in. His, you in, in you his. introduce him, Kratzy. You played for him. I did play for him, and he treated me like an absolute veteran in the clubhouse as a spring training guy. I didn't see gray pants in my locker unless I was starting the game. Aaron Boone. The lowest war of anybody in his family.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the Yankees manager. Bring him in. There he is. What's up, Booney? Do I have
6: to turn my hat around to that kind of the
2: thing here? Not with your payload and not with those hats. You're gonna get a sunburn on your forehead. Those hats were not made by bald people, by the way. Bald people, look, it's terrible. The see-through spring training hats, out. Out on them? Out on them. I'm glad I quit before they
6: came out with them. Yeah. I don't mind. How you a doing? A little change up. I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good to. How's the show going? You having fun? The show's been. What do you think, AJ? Tell them. It's him.
1: been good. It's been good. We're going to have you on every week. So uh, thank <laughs> you. Thank you for agreeing
2: to that before the show. Really You're a podcast it. guy now, I heard.
6: Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Guy, Wade going, uh, going new age. So yeah, I'm jumping in. You're so aggressive. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> I, I mean, Booty,
0: hey, look we're all coming from all kinds of different places where we do you know tv jobs separately too and like we're, we're doing this every day because we think that people want to watch what we're doing on youtube tiktok social platforms getting to a younger audience podcast hey mixing a curse word here or there no big deal you can't do that on television but i'll say i don't even say it boonie most of the players when they come on and they're not saying anything inappropriate or calling someone out though but for example be like yeah i don't give a shit about that and they like to be able to just be themselves that's real clubhouse talk
6: i i try to hold my cursing for the umpires
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair well, i mean you know, he, Boone, you're our trendsetter you know with the, the sleeveless cut off sweatshirt i think you have one on right now right like you know the i do, the podcast, I now do. you have the sleeveless sweatshirt that you cut off i mean you're like the the Gen Z millennial manager for everyone out there.
6: You know what? Hey, the the sleeveless thing. Uh, yeah, a lot of hey, a lot of dudes are doing it now, and I like to think uh, I got it going a little bit. Yeah, you're
2: the Bill Belichick
6: of mm. baseball. I don't know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Bone, what's going on, man? It's Frazier. How's everything, man? Hello, Frazier. How are you? Good, 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 man. So my my question to you is. How many times are you going to get thrown out this year with all these new rules coming up, brother?
6: Yeah. Um, man, I was messing around with getting thrown out yesterday, and someone said, "Do you ever get thrown out in a spring training game? I'm like, absolutely not. Can't let that happen. I'm trying to go under my norm, so um, we'll see. But the first time uh, they ring somebody up when the pitch clock expires, uh, that, that, might, uh, that might get me going, especially if I feel like it wasn't justified. Like... Um, I'm I'm going for the under of what whatever that over under out there is set at. I'm going for the under. Um, so far, that hasn't worked out for me though. Tell him yeah, AJ, I'm, give him advice. Yeah, I've got thrown out of a spring training game, Booney. Come on, as a manager,
1: that should be easy. As a player, it was a little bit more difficult. But come on, it's manager. Just go out there and you know tell Angel Hernandez he's not doing his job and <laughs> <laughs> enjoy an early well, bus Angel, ride home.
6: Yeah, he's not on this coast, so I only have a few others to to uh, get after, but I try and keep it low key uh, with my, my, uh, my arguments in, in spring training.
1: I like it. I like it. Uh, Did you see what, obviously I'm assuming you saw what happened with Edwin Diaz last night. I did. Uh, Uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, As a manager, how do you feel about your guys playing in this? I mean, it's been awesome for baseball. It's been awesome to watch the fans. So, I mean, I know it's kind of a double-edged sword for
6: you as a manager, right? With your guys in the, in the event. Yeah. I mean, look you're always a little apprehensive you know especially with some pitchers especially if some pitchers have had some injury history that's I think where you get a little bit nervous um but look I I mean the Edwin situation is not to me not a baseball playing injury I mean that's a fluke life got you know that could happen you know working out in the offseason that could happen you know in, in spring training doing something so that's not a uh, a case of a guy being ramped up and blowing out down the road because he was throwing playoff caliber baseball, maybe before he should have. This is one of those unfortunate accidents, and uh, you know should should not be attributed to WBC at all. But I think from my standpoint, organizationally, um, the only thing you worry about is 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 the pitchers being in like, you know, playoff playoff atmosphere playoff. Pitches uh, when they're not used to doing that, and maybe not even quite ready to do that. Um, and if they've had an injury history in the past, that's where we get a little nervous.
2: So, like, so, like, do you encourage your players to play basketball at all in the offseason? <laughs>
6: um, I tell after them big they, home runs. If they ask me, I I tell them to steer clear of that. I tell them to steer clear of the <laughs> basketball. Although. You know, we even have somebody that's that's within our organization that's part of the medical, under the medical umbrella. That a few years back was having a conversation with me. He goes, "I actually wish we had a basketball court on on site because he thinks there's a health benefit to guys, um, you know, certainly doing other athletic things throughout the season, whether it be basketball, what, be because it it puts you in a better position to handle." Different stretches throughout the year, athletically speaking. So I was like, hmm, I, I tend to agree with you. It didn't work <laughs> out so well for me, but overall, I agree with you.
2: But that wasn't that wasn't your first basketball game. So I hear what you're saying. Like, go out and be, go out and be who you are. And like, you know what? If that's God's plan for you, you know what? You had, you know, the knee the knee injury happened.
6: Yeah, I mean, the way I looked at that um, is you know, I wasn't doing anything irresponsible in my eyes. I was getting a workout in on a Friday night where uh, we had nothing going on and I just wanted to get some cardio in and shoot some hoops and life got gotcha. you. And, and now it's part of my story and that's okay.
0: Hey Booney, um, so wanted to ask you about your uh, big decision on Garrett Cole to be your opening day starter. Really bold move. How much time did it take for you guys to all sit down? Was it like, you know, the, the war room where you're drafting picks and you're like, all right, what do we do here?
6: Yeah, you know, actually, I haven't even had that conversation with him. Been like, you're the, we've just kind of been laying out the calendar for the last few weeks and we talk about it. We're kind of lining everyone up. And so um, when the media asked yesterday, they're like, so is Cole. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but... I didn't really know I needed to announce that one. So yeah, Garrett will be going opening day again for us. Um, he looks awesome this spring. He's, he's, he's in such a good place. He's throwing the ball really well, um, hitting all his markers, you know, he's up, up to 70 pitches his last time out. So he's got two more before that opening day start, but excited where he's at right now. And, uh, I think he's going to have a really big year boys. I Um, Buckle up! I think I think uh, Garrett Cole's gonna do some some great things this season.
3: Yeah, speaking of speaking of uh, other players on the team, I'm I'm looking at the younger guys, Volpe and Dominguez. Man, they look like they're having a really good spring. Um, when can we see those guys coming up? Because I know Yankee fans out there are, are chomping at the bit to see these guys. Uh, you got Isaiah Kind of Filippa moving the outfield. You're moving guys around. I mean, I I love everything everything about that. Just because learning new positions, I think, is vital. Me coming up, I did that. All through yeah. my career until I found it, but these younger guys and kind of Falefa, man, what what do you got going on with these guys coming up?
6: Yeah, so so Volpe's very much in the running, you know, to be to be on the team in on opening day, you know. So we got two more weeks to go here. Uh, those start, conversations will start to happen in earnest. He's played awesome. He's come in with obviously one of the big stories of this camp and and gone out and delivered and performed and you know kind of looked like everything we. You know, expect and get excited about him being so. Uh, he's very much in the running. Dominguez um, has he's come such a long way in a year. You know, this time last year he was coming off a 21 season where you know he, he had his struggles, wasn't great, and then last year the whole way he started in low A, went to high A, and then finished for the playoffs in double A and and performed. Really well as he kept going, and as the year unfolded, and as competition got better, he got better and better. He's coming to spring training, and and I think he's got four homers now. But he's he's looking like a player that's going to be a real impact player for us. I you know I don't know when I don't you know wouldn't expect it at the start of the season, um, but he is he's showing us why we're so excited about him this spring. But those are two guys that that we think are going to be uh central figures for us for a long, long time. Hey, and then Isaiah, wanna... Isaiah, oh, uh, yeah. Kiner, yeah, so Kiner's playing center field tomorrow night. Um, you know, he's played some third second for us down here. He's, he's embracing the role. I, and I think it's cut out for him. He's such a good athlete. Um, I think he's going to go out and be able to play the outfield really well. And because of his versatility, then in the infield, you know, I think between him and Oswaldo Cabrera, who we saw come up last year and be able to play the outfield. He's, he's an excellent infielder. Um, we feel like in those two guys, you know, we're going to have guys that are versatile. And, you know, in the in today's game where you have, um, you know, benches with four position players, you know, to have true versatility and flexibility is huge. And I think Kiner potentially is going to provide that along with Oswaldo. And then DJ in the infield that can play the three different positions where I just bounce them between those three.
3: Hey, so I'm gonna tell you this if Isaiah gets in a little slump here this year, you play that song Hawaiian Superman. I used to do it in Texas and put a smile on his face and he'll start taking off. That's that's my uh little quick tip there Superman. for
6: you. I I I'm I'm taking notes on that one. Hawaiian yes,
4: Superman
6: <clears throat> Yeah. He's, I know he's, that. a, he's a great dude. He wants it. He wants it here. Uh he just wants to be he just wants to win and he wants to win in pinstripes. So um, you know, uh, I'm excited where he's at and, and what I think he could bring to our team this year.
0: Aaron, I know you've probably been asked a million times about the rules and stuff like that. Here, here's one that was added in the past year. It's more of like a bonus incentive that's very relevant to our conversation right now. So we're talking about Volpe. It sounded like he's going to make the club out of spring training. Huge bonus in addition to him playing for the ball club is that he's an awesome player. If he has a great year, the team gets a hot, basically a first-round pick. We saw it play out last year for the first time, and it was huge. And part of that was to make sure that the best players are getting called up from the jump, the famous Chris Bryant story. But in my mind, that partially worked last year. Like We saw Julio Rodriguez right from the jump make the team. We saw that with Bobby Witt, even for guys that didn't finish in the top three. But we, we saw that actually play out and turn into a pick for a team. So, Do you like it? And do you think the front office is pumped about a rule like that too, when you have a rookie
6: like this? Well, I I think it's great. I mean, anything that rewards players for excellence and for, and then um, I I can say since I've been here and I know moving forward and I know whatever (laughs) decision we make um, as far as our opening day roster, that kind of stuff doesn't factor in. We, we, you know, we're going to do what's best for us and for the player, you know, that all factors into the equation, but You know, us wanting to wait because, you know, it serves some kind of purpose um, just is not in the is not in the equation. So uh, I think it's great. Anytime you can reward players, anytime the best players are where they should be. um, I think that's a great thing for our game.
1: So, so Booney, here's the thing. What I've learned from this interview is IKF is going to be your utility guy. Volpe is making the team. So we're breaking uh, news here. I didn't say and that. I, said I know, I but said yeah, very much you know, in the ma- running. manager talk. We got it. We got it. And then third thing is John Schneider. When we had him on Blue Jays uh-huh. manager, he sent it. He showed us his whole organizational depth chart. He didn't, I don't know. We kind of called him out on it. So, and then we sent him a pair of uh, Jordans. So can you do that for us with the Yankees? Can you like open the doors behind you? Because behind it is all of the organizational you know, the depth charge, the pitching rotation, and then maybe we'll send you a pair of Jordans.
6: Um, All I got for you right now is we dwindle down here in spring training is a little, you know, I got my I got my big calendar there. So, uh, ah. you know, that's hey, all I got how, for you.
4: Hey,
1: and you know how the Yankee fans are. Volpe doesn't make the team after the spring he had. You're, you're going to be number one on their – someone in the Yankees organization <laughs> is going to be number one on their – we're going to get this guy list because they're clamoring.
6: Hey, you know what? We, uh, we got a fan base that really cares. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes that comes with, uh, you know, a lot of excitement. Sometimes it comes with a lot of pressure and a lot of, um, you know, upset when, when things don't go uh, according to plan, but that's all part of it. And it's why I think most of us love putting this uniform on because it really, really does matter each and every day.
3: Booney, um, last year Aaron Judge home run record dominated, had such an unbelievable year that it's going to go down in history books for sure. Now he's the captain. Uh, he's got the big C on his chest. Uh, that's a, a lot of ro- a lot of responsibility for sure. Um, I got to know him a little bit playing with him, but what just what makes him tick, man? I mean, I, w- I wish I got to play more years with him. And what what do you expect from coming this year?
6: Yeah. He's the best, man. I, you know, there were so many times last year where, you know, we'd be, you know, celebrating a win, maybe doing our belt belt ceremony, and and, you, and I stand right next to him when we do that. And I felt like all year, every now and then, I'd say, I got to stop taking you for granted, you know. Like, there'd be certain games where I'd be like, you know, hey, you get him tomorrow, and he was one for three, two walks, stolen base, double, ribby. <laughs> And I'm like, you'll get him tomorrow. Made a great play in the field. So um, he's such a great player. Um, he's – what's great for me is – and I, I hate using the word low maintenance because that's not, you know, who cares if you're – he's just so easy to deal with when, as, and when he's your star player, your best player. He drives culture. He drives the room. He's gotten better and better since I've been here every single year at at growing into more and more of a leadership role. And I think now that he knows he's going to be here for the rest of his career and the next nine years and he's entrenched here in the organization, I think he's taken on more responsibility and even more of a leadership role. It just kind of continues to grow. Uh, But as long as he's able to stay healthy, I expect him to go out there and, and have another dominant season.
2: I think you are... Probably, and I'm probably going to get a lot of yelling in my ear for this, the most underrated manager in the league, because you look at your record through the time that you've been there, it is elite and yet zero awards. And I know you're going to give the whole, I don't like awards. I don't really need them. You know, Let all me that
5: stuff. It.
7: Tell me what. <laughs>
2: I know what your answer is going to be. You're not even going to let us say Volpe's making a team or anything like that. But like, explain that because look, you got to push these guys and I've seen what it takes in that clubhouse, that specific clubhouse, the way you run it with these teams. And you just keep winning year in and year out.
6: Well, first of all, I appreciate you saying that. Um, Look, I I feel like, um, you know, I, how how good or underrated or overrated whatever I don't know all that and that's not for me to decide. I feel like we run a good ship here. I feel like we know what we're doing. I feel like I've grown a little bit each and every year. Um, and you know we're we we feel like we have a really good team and and I feel like I know how to lead that team and um, so I have confidence in in my ability and I appreciate you saying that. Um, but I think in this role, you can't really get caught up in, um, you know, whether you're underrated or overrated. You just kind of keep the blinders on and and keep moving forward.
2: All right, less blinders. We're both Eagles fans, okay? It was a good year. You know that. You know it was a good year. I could Mm -hmm. care less. We're not talking about football right now. You know, what was your favorite Rihanna song from the Super Bowl? Because you were out there and you just (laughs) said, Rihanna, I think you're like – hands clapping, or I don't know what you said. I,
6: I did. That's like one of my only tweets over the last several You're so active. You're so active on social twi- social media. This is, this is embarrassing, but I'm sure she played Umbrella, right? You she didn't bad. watch it?
1: Yeah.
6: I watched the whole thing, and I was just like, boom. So I don't know what stands out as my favorite. I just loved the whole thing. I thought it was great.
2: So so give us, give us a few lines from Umbrella.
4: Just was, oh.
6: Under my umbrella, umbrella, hey, 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 hey. Uh, I even like that you dance too.
1: <coughs> like Bo- Booney, so you were a broadcaster, you player, broadcaster. Uh, yep. Which one's which one's more less stressful, broadcasting or managing? Getting ready for Sunday night baseball or trying to figure out, you know, when you're going
6: to tell us that Anthony Volpe's made the team besides that you already did. <laughs> Um, I would say this, this job manager is a little more stressful. Um, uh, but, but that said, I love it. And you love being in the stress and the pressure and all of that. You know, it's, it's one of the reasons I'm sure all of you guys there love playing the game and, and playing at the highest level on the biggest stage. It's like, you know what? Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's stressful. It's there's pressure. But that's also something that motivates you and drives you and you clamor for. You kind of look forward to it. You know, that said, you know, there's always some nerves, too. Every time I was getting ready for a broadcast or a, or a baseball tonight show or something like that, there was always nerves for that, too. But I think I think uh, there's moments in this job that are a little more stressful. <laughs> Uh, fair, very fair. No,
1: managers are like presidents; like they're all young. Like like Aaron Boone when you know he took over the Yankees job, he was he was all young and vibrant. Now he takes off his hat, gray hair. You know, it's like Alex oh, Cora lost no. all his hair, right? Like these guys are like presidents. You're man. stressing him out because he's got a game <laughs> yeah, too. I know. Got I a know. Game in,
0: you got a game coming, right?
6: Yeah, we got a night game
0: then. Yeah. Oh, oh it's a night game. Oh, 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 oh we're good. We're yeah. good. Okay. Oh, what yeah. time's the game? Seven. Six and a hook. Six and – yeah. So, uh, for, for spring training night games, fan or not a fan? Because I talked – I mean, these are the players here, but they'll be like, yo, I get used to waking up at 5 a.m. and then all of a sudden the season starts and I barely play during the day.
6: Yeah, I'm a fan of it Um, in, in chunks. In, like, small – I think we have, like, five or six. That's about the right number. You know, it gives you a chance yesterday. You have a day game, you know, nice dinner you can sleep in for – which you'd never do in spring training um so it's it's a nice little break it up a little bit we had we had one a couple days ago and then we have one tonight i think this is our last yeah it's our last night game um of the spring but i like them in in small small bits a few of them is perfect i think it's a nice little change of pace for spring training Hey, I want to finish with
0: this change of pace. There there are rumors swirling around that were uh, recited on this show that Eric Kratz was brought in for a pregame playoff speech at one Believe point. Believe it. And, wh- why? <laughs> and did he sing? And was it better than what you just did?
6: He was, you know, he's everything you guys see on this. Yes, he sang. He <laughs> he spoke from the heart from a guy that had been in the game forever. Um you know, he talks about having pinstripes in his locker. Well, he had pinstripes in his locker because he had that level of, of respect, and anyone that I felt like had as much potential gray hair or balder than me, I feel like, you know, deserves to not have to go on the road a lot in spring training. But that season, he played an integral role, like, late in the year. Like, he helped develop and um, get some of our young players that we were leaning on uh, to the big leagues and, and playing a role Every time he did play down the stretch, he seemed to play well and contribute, but I think he had the respect of, the, of <laughs> digging himself. He had the respect of the room from, from the Aaron judges and the star players in the room all the way to the rookies. He, he just developed a relationship, and um, he gave a very impactful speech that actually did not work, though. We lost. Oh, <laughs> we <did. laughs> That's typical. But Good I thought crafty. it was going to work. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I thought so, too. I mean, I thought I thought the song was going to be it. I thought the boys
6: were, I mean, the, by the end of the song, the boys were clapping
2: and everything, yeah. but.
6: We were, we were laughing, crying. He he, kind of tugged at every little bit of emotion <laughs> in a in a free series speech, and you got to love that. And now you know what we deal with every
0: single day with him on this That's show. Right. This is a Monday That's through right. Friday, so we've got Kratzy bringing out all the emotions every day. Yep. <laughs> Booney, this was great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, good, good luck. luck
6: with everything, guys. It's good to catch up with you all. I'll see you down the road, all right?
0: Yes, sounds good. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you. Aaron Boone with awesome. us. I-, I didn't realize it's that tidbit.
1: Day. It's been a rough day for the catchers on the show, by the Why? way. Why? Well, Kratz got hung up by Raul. Then he just got, you know, Boone, he's like, yeah, it didn't work. We lost. Susan Waldman called me out. Like, I mean. You got to get someone on here that doesn't like Frazier.
3: That's why we have. There, Frazier. There's everybody likes me, so I, yeah. except maybe a couple <laughs> baseball, maybe maybe a couple baseball players. But other than that, you're not going to get one person. Frazier's the modern mayor.
0: Exactly, Sean Casey. Sean yeah, well, Casey. He, he Frazier's deemed, got some younger
3: years on him. So he deemed that to me when I was in Cincinnati. He said, "You're the, he donned it." I don't know what the word is, but he did said, he really? Yeah, he said, "Listen, you're the new mayor. You're the new mayor, Frazier. You're the new mayor. I got you." <laughs> Bro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that. All right. That, that was a good day. That, that was fun. That was a nice two hours of uh, of baseball talk with Rola Banez, Aaron Boone, Susan Waldman, and uh, Max Scherzer on the rules for a half hour too. So um, I did want to finish with some WBC and just swing back to that as we get out of here. Um, are we worried for team USA? Cause the one thing we talked a lot about Edmund Diaz and got some comments from everyone. Here was the one thing that we didn't get to. Um, that I think we should address, they beat Columbia by a run. They didn't look great. I watched the whole damn game. Mike Trout did everything on offense with a little setting the table by Mookie Betts. So that could change in a beat, but I just I don't think they have it like some of the other teams we've seen in Miami, and I think that's fair.
1: It's going to be – listen, Venezuela in Miami – and then if they get past that, they play, what, Mexico or Japan? Or I don't know what the matchups are. Puerto Rico? Like, those are – the fan bases there are going to be out of control. So, USA fans, show up in Miami and get ready because they're going to need you. But they got a tough matchup. And these other teams, like, it's kind of what the the, the people we had on today said. Like, it's it's a different game. I think Frazier said it's a different game for the other people in the world. And Kratzy, like, This means everything. This is kind of their world series. Hey, we beat the Big Bad USA in the World Baseball Classic. So, USA,
3: let's go. Bring it. They're going to have to find a way because the crowd, listen, nothing for nothing. It's going to be a raucous crowd. There's going to be a lot lot of Venezuelans. There are a lot of Latin people there screaming and yelling in a good way. And this is what you want. If you're playing the game of baseball – we go to these other countries, uh, playing DR, uh, Mexico, Venezuela, wherever you go, the energy is unbelievable. And this is what you, I, I would love to play in these games, but just to focus on controlling your mindset, controlling your, your thought process and everything, um, Mike Trout's hot, bro. Let's go. USA, step up to the plate, get it going, get on them early and often, take the crowd out of it, and we'll have a
2: shot. I can't I'm- wait to I can't wait to see the games. I can't wait to get the live feed from Todd's house of him just switching jerseys. Whoever's at bat, <laughs> he's blowing. He's blowing the Lubinzola. He's you know he's drinking some Cuban coffee. He's got some, you know, he's got you know he's got something for everybody. But no, Todd's exactly right. Like this, it's gonna be fun. And the negative part of Edwin's injury is nothing to do with the WBC, but it's terrible for him. But this this ending, the, the finishing rounds of the of WBC are going to be absolutely incredible.
0: I, I will say this too, like everyone cares, it's fun, right? And we make fun of the WBC, the uniforms with Great Britain or whatever, but we've all said, like it's, most baseball fans love it. It's way better. We're not talking about any spring training games. They're freaking boring. I mean, they're, they're not real. They're exhibition games. You get to see your guy for a few innings, whatever. There, Before we finish here, there's some really trash takes on social media lately. Like, uh, it was late last night, Keith Olbermann, first Freddie Freeman, now Edwin Diaz. WBC is a meaningless exhibition series designed to get you to buy another uniform to hell with the real season and split up teammates based on where their grandmothers got laid. Okay, Keith. Selling yeah.
4: uniforms. Yeah, they're really first trying all, to sell uniforms. Well, Keith, come on, yeah. Keith.
1: Keith, come on, dude. That, that's a trash well, I gonna take. I am going to say he's better than that. It's a trash take. It's terrible. That's there's terrible there's another take. one, too. That's just try, you know what that's trying to do? He's just trying to say something to get people to remember that Keith Olbermann was on SportsCenter one time. That's right.
0: a trash yep. take. He watched a lot of baseball, and sometimes, I mean, I, I like sometimes his analysis on the game, but that's a trash take. And there's one where there's one of the Barstool dudes, KFC Barstool, said, I literally hope every single one of these WBC losers has a player on their MLB team get injured tomorrow. I hope there's 29 injured stars and you all have to defend your stupid worthless fake Uh, takes about a tournament that's fun for five seconds before it's completely forgotten. Asinine. Marcus Stroman responded, you're an idiot. Very typical coming from a barstool boy. You're completely irrelevant. Your opinions will never hold any weight. Wishing harm and injury on anyone shows how trash you are. That's the thing. Players love competing for their countries and take pride in it. You that's food, the thing,
1: take, dude. That's you the thing. He wishes people hurt.
0: Your players, so who the so hell wishes?
1: It. Nobody wishes anybody. That could be a guy. I mean, there was guys you didn't like, but you never wish them to get hurt.
0: The guy's a jackass, that's man. A guy, that's terrible.
1: Ridiculous. Whoever that guy is, man, that guy needs to go away.
3: Just trying to get some hits and likes on the computer. That's all it
2: is. That's that's the way he goes. There's no way. There's no way that's how he really lives his life. Because if it is, then it's a miserable life. You don't ever. Like, you don't, you, you don't say that. You don't, you don't wish injury on anybody, let alone the whole take like trash.
1: 29. He wished it one for every team, right? 29 yeah. others after trash Trash right? As
0: if there's not injuries in spring training. There's injuries every yeah. day in spring training. You're worked up there. There's barely been knock on wood, any injuries in the WBC and they're playing real games. Every single day of the regular season, someone gets hurt. Every single day. There's a new injury, at least one often 10. So I, it's just ridiculous. They like put my guy to, in
2: bubble wrap and then roll him out into the game. Even to the point, even to the point, like even if you go back to guys who were like pitchers who were like, "Oh, I'm to drill this dude." Never, I, I never once heard a dude say, "I'm to drill this guy," and I hope he's out for 20 games. No chance. Like that's just not a. It's not a thing that's said in in baseball or in real life. Like, save it, me
0: yeah it's a disgusting way to go about life yeah hopefully a lot of sarcasm in there but i, I that's fresh that's why we do a show live here too I was just looking that up it's it's popping on twitter and i'm like yeah that's that's garbage um anyway on a much brighter <laughs> now
1: about that guy,
0: military base of the day uh joint base elmendorf richardson in anchorage alaska we appreciate you and we salute you thank you for your service and good luck to team usa for you guys in the next round and for us um, and a little minor league shout-out since we talked about him, Anthony Volpe. We have, or Volpe or Volpe? Volpe. 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 Jer- I mean, he's jersey pride. That's all you, Frasch. Yes, sir. Look at Here this. Here it is. A little backhand. Barehanded. And or go. barehand, sorry. How you doing on the run? That'll nice, work. Nice pick over there, too,
3: man. That's Solid. Great. Breaking news,
1: by the way, he made the team for I I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> I mean, there's hey, been never hey. been more. Hey, listen, there's never been more manager speak than what Aaron Boone said when he's like, well, you know. Listen, yeah, bull crap, dude. He's making he's that. Because if he team. doesn't make the team, dude, those New Yorkers, Yankee people, oh, man, the spring he's had, there's no way. He, they, can't, they can't stop him now.
0: Kratz hats take over. What do you got today? I almost kind of forgot what I had.
2: Now I had a I had a Chiefs hat on before Syracuse Chiefs. This is the next one that came out of the bag. Unfortunately, I'm getting to like an area of the bag where they're all dusty and stuff, probably cuz I never wore them cuz I was always wearing a the pot on my head, but Syracuse Sky Chiefs. When the Syracuse still had turf on their field, they had the the astro turf and it was it was hideous. It would snow on it. Syracuse weather is Ugh. It ain't it, you know, grilled cheese comes from there, Jason Grilly. But other than that, Syracuse, man, the weather is brutes, magoots, and then you had a play on turf, ain't it?
0: <laughs> That's like where you send a prospect to die, it sounds like. <laughs> yes. Hey, it you're is. going to Syracuse. It's, it's, it's cold as shit, and uh, the turf's going to hurt you. Yep, yep. Guys, this was great. Play Play us out, play us out. There we go. You guys
2: have a nice time tomorrow.
0: AJ, day off Fridays. Fraser okay. Friday though, AJ. baby. Fraser Friday, and I'm coming soon to hang out with Fraser on Fraser Friday once he gets rid of that cough. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not, not at all that cough. We gotta, we gotta give him a week quarantine. So what do, Good work, boys. Love it, love it. Great day. Ken Rosenthal from Miami on the WBC with some hot topics. See you then.